Hey folks, this is John,、uh, the host of the EM podcast. I want to apologize in advance for the audio quality of this episode. It's recorded with truncated silences, meaning all the silences in between were automatically cut out. So、uh, it makes the speech feel sped up and at times unnatural.、Um, and that's also why it was impossible to sync this with the video. So I'm still very new at this,、um, and I'm hoping that you can bear with me as I figure things out. Uh, but I still hope you enjoy this episode with Pastor Billy. He's a pastor and brother I really respect and appreciate a lot.、Uh, there will be a part two with him、uh, that's going to be released soon after this, one that has a video and it's going to be at normal speed. But this is part one of my conversation with him. So thank you for your understanding and thank you for listening. All right. And we are rolling. <laughs> All right. Uh, thanks for joining me, Pastor Billy. Thank you. Thank、yeah. you for the opportunity. I, I've、yeah. been looking forward to this. Yeah. Nice. I just want to say. You've heard, you've heard the, the previous episodes and, and stuff. Yeah. So I've been watching them from the beginning and,、um, you know, paying more attention to some of them than others. But、um, sure. I think,、um, yeah, it's to getting to know some of the people. Yeah, yeah. And you have a very personal style with them. And, and so、uh, I appreciate your conversational style.、Oh, thank you. And、uh, so I've, I've, I've gotten a lot out of them. So,、oh, huh. yeah. That, that's cool.、So、that's cool to hear. That's cool、yeah. to hear.、Um, did you have a favorite episode of the five or so?、Uh, well, I guess because Danny Kwan's a little closer to my age, I guess. I, 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 I、uh. gleaned a lot from what he was sharing. And、gotcha. so, yeah. And、um, I resonate with that. But、um, yeah, I found just every one of them I mean, interesting in their own yeah. way. Yeah. yeah.、So. I actually don't even know how old you are. Me? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I just I, turned 59. Oh, okay.、Yeah. Just like as in this month? Or? Well, November 1st, so about、oh, a month、gotcha. ago. Okay.、Yeah. So next year will be my sixth. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm in my 60th year, so I'm, I'm old. <laughs> no, I mean, how does that、yeah. how, does that feel different? Does that feel. Because I've heard different things. People in their 50s feeling like they're actually in their prime, and then people feeling like, yeah, they're. Yeah,、Asian. I mean, for, for a minister, I think you sort of enter. You know, your 40s and 50s is kind of your prime, right? So,、mm. but I would say your 50s is towards the end of your prime, and then your 40s is kind of in the heart of your prime. I see. And I everything see. before then is just probably、like、training and preparation. Okay.、Uh, but, yeah. <coughs> excuse me. That,、um, yeah, I mean, I do get a lot more sense of, dang, I'm old. <laughs> like, I'm very close to retirement and things like that. So it makes you think,、mm. I mean, obviously, every milestone you think about、mm. your life and your ministry and, you know, what your future looks like. And yeah. so,、uh, yeah, I mean, it definitely, definitely has some sobering aspects to it. But, you、mm. know, it's a good,、mm. good time of reflection to reflect、mm. on your life.、Mm. Um, yeah. That's cool.、Um, I do feel like you're the first semi. Celebrity, I'm having on because、oh. you're kind of like known as <laughs> Danny like, Kwan's way more famous. Korea, is he, I, I don't know.、Yeah. Um, I think、yeah. in the PCA, right,、um, you were like the Korean Godfather type like figure. I don't know if you I, knew I that people like look up to you for well, various I think reasons. Many people know me、yeah. or heard of me, but I, I would definitely think I would not be categorized as a celebrity. you know、mm. I mean, I do have friends, I think, who are sort of in that. 
realm of celebrity where they're more on media stuff. Yeah, yeah. they're they're you know on Gospel Coalition. Or, sure, you know, sure. They yeah. have like very huge ministries or you know their ministry impact. Yeah, I feel like I have impacted more um, personally. Mm-hmm. You know, I've gotten mm-hmm. to know a lot yeah. of different people in a lot of different yeah. contexts. So yeah. uh, I've sort of uh, you know, there's not this one camp, one place where mm. you know I've done something big or whatever. But it's I've, yeah. I've sort of touched base with a lot of people over the years in a lot of different contexts. So it allows me to feel like I'm connected yeah. almost everywhere. Yeah, you know? yeah. I think but that's that's what I've definitely too. not yeah. a celebrity. <laughs> yeah, I, I guess I yeah. mean I, meant, I, yeah. I was half joking, but yeah. um, I, I I did intend to say yeah. I think you do have that uh, relational like tie with just a yeah. lot of people. Cause, yeah. And I've been surprised. Just I mean I've known you on and off for, for I think eight years now, um, and just hear you mention yeah I've known so and so when I was in youth ministry or this person was my roommate or right. I was like, what? Yeah, (laughs) in that way, I'm very connected because, you know, oh, I was their pastor or like, you know, so, yeah. Right. Um, The last time I felt like someone was that connected was meeting John Frame and and, um, hearing everyone talk about him as if, like, like he was like everyone's, every theologian's even favorite theologian or at one point, your favorite pastor, your favorite theologian had a class sat under him and he was, he was kind of this big umbrella that kind of covers everyone. And I I think you're like the Korean version (laughs) (laughs) Um, that's cool though thank you Um, yeah yeah, so I mean I take that as God put me you know in in, in an odd way you know I served in a lot of different ministries over Mm. the years Mm. I've actually lived in I was recounting you know sort of my life story as I was preparing for this interview yeah Yeah. and like um, I've lived in 10 different states in my life uh, you know or in my life in America I I was born in Korea and came to the United States when I was 7 years old Mm. But um, so, and some of that, my ministry years, I did go through a lot of different phases of ministry where I literally feel like I've, I've done everything in the, mm. particularly in the Korean American ministry from mm. youth group. Mm. I was a youth pastor, college pastor, EM pastor, yeah. church planner, you know, yeah. um, you know, dual, you know, duplex model, a lot of different kind of models, yeah. independent model. and. Uh, but like because I did a lot of transition in ministry, mm. you know, there were times I actually felt like a failure. Like mm. you know, uh, why am I I'm always transitioning? Not you know, not like uh, doing a ministry in one place for mm. like 20, 30 years or something like that. Mm. Um, so you know, with that, what I found was the was the benefit is like I actually touch base with a lot of people through those ministries, yeah. and um, so I saw that as wow, actually that's that's actually part of my ministry as well to help yeah. connect people, network people and especially connect in the work that I do for the denomination. Right. Excuse me. That I, um, you know, helping to connect people to the resources of denomination and and so forth. Yeah. 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 That's great. Um, So speaking of just your uh, childhood and how you started your life in the States, can can you actually give give us like an overview? Yeah. Listening to all those, uh, you know, I I knew that you as a counselor would go through that. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not not trying to dig Uh, up anything. (laughs) I was ready. Um, I'm I'm ready. I'm curious. Yeah. I'm curious. Yeah. So you say you moved here at seven. What yeah, was so the just to give a quick, uh, yeah. like those 10 states that I lived in does yeah. give you a little bit of uh, the flavor of my uh, history. So I was born in South Korea, mm. like southern part, Busan. So, mm. um, my, my father came to the United States early in 1967, 66. He left 66 in December and got here 67, January 67. 
And so he, he was a student at Gordon-Conwell. Well, oh, was, wow. Uh, at that time, it was called Gordon Divinity School. Wow. And so by the time he sort of finished, it was becoming Gordon-Conwell. Huh. Uh, but anyway, after he graduated, he started the first Korean church of New Jersey. Wow. And uh, by that time, he was able to bring the rest of the family over. Hmm. So we came in 1971, immigrated wow. to New Jersey. Yeah. So that was my childhood in New Jersey when I was seven years old. Hmm. Um, when I was in high school, I got accepted to this program that took kids from the inner city because mm. I lived in the inner city of Jersey City, mm. um, you know, a city called Jersey City. It's like mm. I call it the ghetto, <laughs> the hood. I, so I grew up in the hood. <laughs> <laughs> and so they took kids from underprivileged kids and sent them to these programs around the country. Mm. Uh, either pr uh, private schools or public school programs. Yeah. So I was in, in the public school program that took kids from Jersey City. Mm. And uh, we, I went to high school in New Hampshire. Huh. Yeah, so pretty much all white school. And yeah. we had a house, 11 students from Jersey City, you know, uh, yeah. seven black, two Puerto Rican, <laughs> two Korean. My sister and myself were part of this wow. program. We housed in a, you know, a dormitory housing sort mm. of right. In, it's in the heart of Dartmouth, Uni Dartmouth mm. College, you know. Mm. Uh, Dartmouth University, I think now, but uh, like so, mm. like um, so, I went to this sort of Ivy League high school, kind of prep where, high school, right? Kind of it's yeah. it's actually a public school, but a lot of the professors' kids and from gotcha. the Ivy League school, you know, attended there. So it had gotcha. a kind of an Ivy League feel. Yeah. So it was it was a public school with a feeling like a prep school. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. So. That was my high school. I went to college in Connecticut at mm. Wesleyan University, mm. uh, which is a very liberal um, college. At that time as well? Or oh, it was super liberal. Yeah. Even then? I would say most schools now are more like Wesleyan. Mm. Wesleyan was always super liberal. They were, on huh. the, they were like Berkeley. You know, the Berkeley was always considered yeah, liberal. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. so yeah. Wesleyan was sort of like that on a smaller, you know, Kind of New England small school kind of level, okay. like Oberlin, you know, those kind of schools mm. where it had the mm. reputation. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, there's there's a long story behind why I went there, but it wasn't because I was a liberal, but it was. <laughs> It was uh, something that, <laughs> it's a great school too. It's a great New England school. Uh, it just has that uniqueness, yeah, you know. Sure. And then I went to Princeton Seminary, um, yeah. and I can talk about that uh, later, but um, how I, you know, got a call. But it, it was in my senior year in college where I really, my life changed spiritually. Mm. And, um, and then I went to uh, seminary directly, and I went to Princeton Theological Seminary in New Jersey, back to New Jersey, did a lot of ministry there. Mm. And one of the ways I kept myself from becoming a liberal actually at Princeton is I threw myself into youth ministry and I we you know mm. it was a time of revival among the Korean church huh. in the 80s mid 80s uh, late 80s and so there was so much going on and even as at that when I went to seminary I was 21 mm. so I was 21 to 24 <coughs> excuse me in my Sorry. seminary years and um, yeah, it was an incredible time yeah actually of mm. God using young people mm. And I can tell you stories of just things I, I saw, too, of mm. like revival, like mm. within the Korean-American church. And, and was that, as far as you can recall, based on just people repenting and trusting in the gospel and falling in love with Christ, that kind of yeah, revival? Uh, yeah, so the things you kind of, kind of read about in the Great Awakening or yeah. whatever, I mean, it's, it's, it's not, I don't know, I mean, I wouldn't call it a Great Awakening necessarily, but it was like a mini <laughs> yeah. within that context, yeah. you know, and I can get into it after kind of I go through the rest of this, uh, the states, right, sure. going through the states. But, sure, yeah. Um, so from um, Princeton Seminary, I was like ministry or like theology. It's ironic because if you know me, I, I, I'm very committed to theology 
theology and you know biblical thinking. But at that time, I was like, theology is bad because mm. you know I was like, you become liberal. So I was like, <laughs> I huh. did what I you know I think I was a pretty engaged student, but uh, I just felt like what I was learning was not helping me in my ministry at all. So mm. I was like, you know, ministry is about loving the kids and spending time with the kids and mm. the youth group that I was part of. And it was a, it was a thriving youth group. Was at this at your dad's church? No, actually, or? I started at my dad's church my okay. first semester of my, uh, but, you know, realizing I'm not going to learn much, just, you know, and as much as they love me, they're yeah. going to treat you like a kid, right? So, and I was a kid, you know, I was 21 years old mm. when I started seminary. Mm. I turned mm. 22 in November, but mm. when I started in September, mm. you know, I was 21 and like not knowing anything really, mm. you know. And so I started serving at my dad's church originally, but then I got connected to a, a church in mm. Um, mm. in New Jersey, Palisades Park, mm. and I served there, and uh, I served there for about four years. Mm. And uh, that was a wonderful ministry in a lot of ways. That's that's where I learned how to do ministry and saw so much fruit and. Um, Mm. Yeah, it was, you know, there's so much to tell about the, about mm. this. So, But uh, after I graduated seminary, I um, I did full-time ministry saying, okay, I don't have to let uh, my schoolwork get in the way of doing ministry. Mm. But then I realized doing full-time ministry, I had no excuse. Like, I have to write papers. I can't work on my sermon or design a discipleship. Mm-hmm, or, mm-hmm. But after one year of doing full-time ministry, I realized how much I didn't know. Mm. Like, I love Jesus. Uh, the, the students were getting revived through sort of more of revivalism than actually sound teaching, you know, like going re- to retreats and revivals. Mm-hmm, you know, that mm-hmm. was a time of retreats and revivals, and mm-hmm. we had so many of those. And it's, it's, it was spiritual, but it was more emotionally based, you okay. know. Sure. Uh, you know, we loved them. You know, there was a lot of love and a lot of yeah. uh, emotion, but like in terms of grounding, discipling, how to disciple, how to preach week to week, mm. I was like, I don't know how to do this. Mm. And I realized like, and I had stories or <laughs> story-based way of s- s- sermons and stuff, and so I was like, you know what? Mm. I'm not going to make it to second year, mm. right? And I'm not going to last in the ministry if I don't get training. Mm. And what I felt like I didn't get at Princeton, when, you know, Princeton's liberal and there's, you know, I, I would not recommend someone to go to Princeton, but, you know, I, I don't like people demonizing it either. That's yeah. a whole nother topic. But Sure, uh, sure, yeah. <clears throat> Uh, God used it for good in my life in, in mm. many ways, but uh, I, what it didn't do, it didn't ground me in biblical theology. Mm. And so when I found out Gordon Conwell had just started a program on um, biblical theology, they did a THM in biblical theology, and so, you know, Gordon Conwell's more broad evangelical yeah. school, yeah. but I ended up getting, I did, I started the THM program, and I got a reformed education, mm. a Westminster education at Gordon Conwell, like I took um, Old Testament with... Um, uh, Meredith Klein. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah, and so, and New Testament uh, biblical theology with Richard Gaffin, who came yeah. to teach a, a class as a visiting professor. Uh, From Westman. Yeah, so one of the winter sessions when he was a visiting professor. Cool. And then Greg Beale, you know, was uh, my thesis advisor. Oh, wow. Yeah, and then there are other guys like Scott Hapeman, who's a Reformed Baptist. There's uh, mm-hmm. Elmer Schmick, uh, who, was, uh, who was at Gordon Conwell for a long time, Old Testament guy he, on yeah. Job. His specialty is Job. Huh. And uh, he, he came to teach at... <clears throat> At RTS after he re- retired, because at, at Gordon Conwell in New Massachusetts they they force retirement at seventy. Huh. So people like Roger Nicole, er- Elmer yeah. Schmidt, and people like that ended up teaching at in RTS. Florida RTS yeah. because they have to retire in uh, at seventy in in Massachusetts. I, uh, I don't know if that's still the case, but okay. back then it was it was the case. I and see. so you had a lot of these Gordon Conwell professors who taught in other mm-hmm. seminaries like mm-hmm. RTS, you know, because of that. Who had the most? Would you say had the most impact? on you during that time, during the THM 
Yeah, so there was a couple of people. I, I think if I were to name three people who really helped me a lot, uh, unfortunately, Meredith Klein and Gaffin, as much as they helped me get some, yeah. they did not help me that much. <laughs> you might want to cut that out. Because uh, what I was struggling with coming yeah. out of Princeton was not the finer points of Reformed theology. Okay. I was struggling with inerrancy. I was struggling mm. with, like, you know, how do I trust the Bible? Mm. You know, so mm. Mm. all those nuanced things that Meredith Klein and Gaffin was teaching. Yeah. Uh, and to be honest, I mean, you know, they have a certain way of teaching, you know, pedagogy that uh, sure. some people love them. Yeah. Others just can't stand their sure. teaching style. Yeah. And so I was kind of like, I could see why people like them, but mm-hmm. I had trouble a little bit with their teaching style. Mm-hmm. And for where I was, I needed someone to help me gain my confidence in the scriptures. Mm. So I think people like um, Elmer Schmick, he was in the later years of his life. And mm. so he was a brilliant man, but he's just a sweet soul. I one times, um, like for instance, if I could give you an example, yeah, yeah. I was like reconcil- trying to reconcile what I knew of the biblical data, right? Uh, that the liberals, I mean, liberals aren't all wrong. They point out good questions and so and so as I was delving into that I was like how do we reconcile these things mm. right so I'm, I'm trying to reconcile because mm. I was fundamentally wanting to believe the Bible and yeah. believe in inerrancy yeah but I just I was having trouble reconciling it with other things I was learning yeah. and, and so when I talked to people like Meredith Klein the impression I got was you might be a heretic <laughs> <laughs> So it's not, I wasn't asking as a heretic, I was just asking, but like, I got kind of yeah. turned off to that, right? Mm, so I was like, hmm, <laughs> you know, I'm not asking it that way. Right. It's like a hypothetical. And, I'm seeking to believe, right? Yeah. You know, faith seeking understanding. Yes. But but there were guys like Elmer Schmick mm. who were actually I remember sitting in his office and he just navigated through some of the questions that I had and mm. and uh, and then there was another guy um, J Christie Wilson uh, mm. he was a missionary professor mm. um, he was such a tremendous influence mm. Um, mm. spiritually mm. you know I would go to the noon prayer so every every noon in um, Gordon Conwell they had a little chapel mm. where they would have a missionary prayer mm. and I would go to that pretty regularly mm. and he was always there or usually there if he's in town mm. <clears throat> it's like 20 minutes you know they read something from operation world or you know the, yeah. the missionary yeah. prayer guide mm. and so we'd pray uh pray for one another pray for missions mm. and uh you know he had overheard me asking some of these questions with professors or people and uh, he he went to princeton university and princeton seminary as well mm. um and he wasn't necessarily a preeminent biblical scholar he was more in the field of uh, missions but he um sat down with i remember this very distinctly he sat down with me after dinner mm. In this, there's a president's lounge, which those faculty use, and he invited me in there. Very nice room. And I remember him sitting me down and talking with me and just, uh, you know, getting to know me a little bit. And then he just reiterated to me just how important it was to build your ministry upon the foundation of the Word of God, mm. right? And that's actually why I came to Gordon Conwell, because mm. I felt like yeah. my ministry was based on, you know, uh, me engaging with the kids, trying to be yeah. kind of, you know, like the brother to the kids and being the cool, cool brother to the kids, uh, you know, playing yeah. sports with them and, you know, doing sure. all kinds of fun stuff yeah. and telling them about Jesus, singing songs, you know, campfires yeah. and all that kind of, you know, it's a sort of, yeah. you know, it's not, it's not unimportant. Those things are, right. you know, good, but like, yeah. but there was no biblical foundation. Okay. Yeah. And that's what I was longing for. Yeah. And then when I went up there, you know, having wrestling with it, mm-hmm. <clears throat> guys like J. Christie Wilson sitting me down and um, just sharing his story 
And I remember thinking this. I was like, if guys like him <laughs> believe the Bible, I can too.、Mm. And it's not, you know, I needed arguments as well. So it's not that those arguments didn't come, but yeah, fundamentally yeah. it was something like if all you see is people who believe in the Bible or、yeah. who are kind of like not intellectually honest or they're not curious,、mm. they don't really know, you know, all like you don't really respect them intellectually, then、yeah. it's harder to believe.、Mm. Not that you need all the answers, but、mm. I think for me, when I saw that,、um, yeah, these people believe the word of God,、yeah. and I said, that's, that's the way I want to be, mm. you know?、Mm. And so it's sort of, I mean, Billy Graham speaks about something similar where you know, he asks a lot of questions, and there had to come a point. He says, Lord, I place my faith on this word. <laughs> yeah. You know, so it was kind of that moment where, yes, ask the questions, delve into it, gain,、mm-hmm. gain understanding,、mm-hmm. but it's like,、mm-hmm. you know,、uh, there is that kind of a faith statement of it where, Lord, I believe. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I, and so, and, and that's where Gordon kind of really helped me a lot, where、mm-hmm. I felt、mm-hmm. like I could actually stand on the Bible and do my ministry,、yeah. where I felt like the model in New Jersey with、uh, Princeton. Mm. As much as I saw a lot of spiritual fruit,、mm. that the model was not really be- based on scripture. It was、mm. based on more revivalism, emotions,、mm. and、uh, you know, good things like loving people and caring for spending time with people.、Yeah. You know, which, you know, they don't care how much you know until they know how much you care.、Yeah. You know, there are <coughs> phrases like that we used to use all the time in ministry. Yeah, yeah, and so,、yeah. Which is, is really true, but, like, but then if you don't have the word of God, <laughs> mm-hmm, you know, it could become、mm-hmm. very humanistic very mm-hmm, fast. Mm-hmm, yeah. You know? Yeah. Very man centered. Yeah. You know? Yeah.、So. I probably never shared this with you, but there was like a s- small chance I could have ended up at Princeton Theological Seminary. Okay. This is when I was、um, finishing my college years at Yonsei. And Yonsei has a theology department that's、yeah. quite progressive. And the head of that department at the time was a PhD from Princeton Theological、mm. Seminary. And I just remember, cool guy, like, great guy.、Um, And for me, being a kind of a not fully Korean person,、yeah. Korean American person on campus, having someone like him to talk to who kind of understood kind of the kind of the struggle. Do you remember his、long. name? I don't. Okay. Yeah. Because I, I might I just, know him if you went to Princeton. I just call him Kyozunim. So <laughs> yeah, I, don't,、yeah. I don't know his full name. Okay. Um, but、yeah. um, he, he was adamant about yeah, if you're going to go to study theology, here are a couple schools you cannot go to.、Mm. Top of the list, Westminster. <laughs> Okay. And then RTS, like anything reformed,、right. stay away. I'm like, why?、Um, and at the time, I'm still like a very novice kind of, I don't really have a theological worldview.、Right. So I'm still exploring. But my dad had mentioned, and some of my reformed friends at the time, Hyungas, had mentioned some of these other schools. But this professor was like, you can't go there.、Um, and then in one of his lectures,、uh, I just recall this moment where he was talking about the virgin birth. Yeah. And he was essentially saying, Is it so important、yeah. that we believe in the virgin birth? Right.、Um, is it worth turning off all the scientific minded people by holding on to something like that when maybe you can forego that and, and still evangelize or something like that? Right. Just, maybe there's something kind of mythological there or allegorical there that's symbolic, but you don't have to argue for this literal virgin birth. You know? And that's where I was like, okay, this, this can go anywhere then. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> so that's where I was like alarmed for the first time. And、yeah. Yeah. And I talked to my. I think I remember talking to my dad about it. I was like, I'm not comfortable with that at all.、Yeah. He's like, Yeah, you can't. You can't go down that route. Yeah. And that's what kind of. That's why I didn't submit an application there.、I、ended up submitting my applications elsewhere.、Yeah. Um, but if if it wasn't for that moment in that lecture, I actually might have applied and ended up at.、Um, Princeton.、Uh, and, and Princeton's, I, I would say,、uh, I don't know exactly how it is now, but 
Princeton, you know, is neo-Orthodox usually. Mm -hmm. I mean, when I was going there, it was more mm -hmm. clearly neo-Orthodox, which took it to mean it's liberal, mm -hmm. but it can sound conservative, mm -hmm. you know, because they use Orthodox language, I see, I see, I see. but they mean something completely different than the Orthodox. I see. And do they use like the historic kind of prayer, Book of Common Prayer or well, book Directory for Worship and things like um, that in their liturgy? See, the thing is, at that time, PCUSA, they actually had the Westminster Confession of Faith as part of their confessions. Right, right. But the way the liberals do it, or, or neo-Orthodox do it, is that they water down the confessions, not by rejecting them, mm. but adding to them. Mm. So they would have Westminster, you know, this yeah. is the book of confessions, and yeah. it includes yeah. Westminster confessions, it yeah. includes the, you know, the three forms of yeah. the Reformed Church, it yeah. includes the Brahmin Declaration, it includes these liberal confessions as well. So you yeah. can sort of pick and choose. Yeah. So it gives yeah. you a smorgasbord of like, yeah. um, you know, um, an intelligent person is well-versed mm, and, mm, you know, mm. and you make your own yeah. designer faith. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which, excuse me, which, um, <clears throat> you know, uh, just like your reaction, I was like, when I saw that, I was like, wait a minute, how do you, how do you, you know, I was, yeah. when I went to ministry, you know, I'm from, uh, it's really, because uh, I'm from a very conservative Presbyterian family, mm. you know, Koshin, you know, mm. so I'm part mm -hmm. of Koshin mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. family, and so yeah. I had this very deep roots of spirituality in my family history, had a very liberal education, but then, and then it came to culmination at Princeton Seminary, and um, it's uh, facing what, in the, in the essence, it was, uh, you know, what Machen refers to as, you know, liberalism is naturalism, you know, mm -hmm. it rejects the supernatural, yeah, the right? Theological liberalism, right. yeah. Right, so yeah. naturalism, like there is, it, it tries to explain everything, yeah. you know, from Boltmann's demythology yeah. to, yeah. you know, it's more experience-based, you know, yeah. human experience, touching human, and so sure. in an odd way, some of this conservative revivalism, mm. which is more experiential, hmm. it actually could fit because that some of the people who are conservative at Princeton were not necessarily biblically conservative. Hmm. They were hmm. more open to experience. I see. Because it, that that version of Christianity did not actually come to a head with liberalism. Hmm. It could almost encompass that, hmm. you know, this kind of revivalist, because, you know, saw it as a another human movement. Sure, sure, right? sure. So that was what's, yeah. what was kind of odd. Yeah. Right? I mean, I don't know if this plays into it too, but I mean, I feel like it almost describes a similar type of parallel among the charismatic movement, where uh, scripture isn't really, right. I think, at the founding of at foundation of that. Um, but yet, what appears to be evangelical conservative type right. of because because socially they they tend to be conservative. Yeah. But I mean, I you know uh, my wife was part of that movement during school college and uh, went to Bethel and yeah and, and sh she would she would tell it better. But yeah, there was a lot of that kind of uh, emotion she would call it now manipulation but um, yeah. that kind of being wrapped up in that but not no scripture at all yeah yeah um, so but in that sense like there's a parallel in like what appear what you're describing in terms of what appears to be a Orthodox conservative Christian movement but uh, not anchored in scripture yeah um, yeah um, I I would say this though too just to because because I, I think I still have you know friends in those circles and and that professor I mentioned like I, I mean he I still consider him to be like uh, a good professor who like took good care of me you absolutely know? so I appreciate him a, a lot and I think what I also found refreshing in my interaction with him was there were there were even aspects of his interactions with me that I felt was more pastoral just even the style in the stylistic sense more pastoral than a lot of the experiences I had with other more reformed and grounded 
talented Korean pastor, just, yeah. just to be honest. Yeah. Um, just his compassionate way of listening, and he seemed to withhold judgment. Now, I think I was having a conversation with this uh, with another person about this. Sometimes I think the problem there may be at some point you got to make some judgments. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. But but with this person, I think I, what I appreciated was just not jumping to judgment too quickly. Right. Yeah. And I felt heard and. Um, and, and I felt like I could confide in this person, yeah, which is how ironic because it's not like, it would be nice if the person you feel like you can confide in also has sound doctrine, you yeah. know, who can kind of, yeah. whereas the people I felt like had all the right doctrine, I couldn't always confide in. That was kind of that tension yeah. I felt at the time. And, you know, obviously, you know, these are caricatures and stuff sure. like that, but like, yeah, I, I would say that's one of the reasons why I went to Princeton, not because of the liberalism. Mm-hmm. You know, there was some of that prestige that's there, but yeah. Like when I visited Princeton Seminary, it was like, they were just like, wow, these are like really intelligent and nice people, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, you know, I want to hang out with them, <laughs> right? I <laughs> yeah. want to like converse with them. Yeah. And so yeah. I, it, it wasn't like, oh, they're liberal, whatever, but they're open, they're open-minded, yeah. they're open-hearted. Yeah. You know, and classical liberalism you know, sort of has that ethos, mm-hmm. you know, kind of the new liberalism today is kind of completely different. I think mm-hmm. it, it doesn't have that kind of open mm-hmm. openness probably. So, but but, um, but yeah, I, I was attracted to that. And maybe the older conservative had, um, you know, seemed a little more narrow-minded or, mm-hmm. you know, narrow-hearted. Mm-hmm. You know, like they weren't as open-hearted. Mm-hmm. You know, they're always mm-hmm. trying to peg you where you are and mm-hmm. stuff like that. And maybe I can do that even now myself. You know, there's almost a temptation to go that down road. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think just from my experience, uh, you know, I, yeah, I, I did like that open-mindedness, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. But just one quote that really helped me is like, uh, G.K. Chesterton. Yes. You know the the quote about open open mind. Right. It's like an open mouth. Yeah. So he said, uh, an open mind is like an open mouth. The purpose is to close, close upon something. something solid, right? Yes. So or something good, right? Yeah, so that's a good quote. Yeah. So you know you're not in this perpetual state of open mindedness where yeah. you let anything come and right. you know. And that's actually liberalism can do that, right? They can be yeah. so open minded that there's no yeah. there's no boundaries. There's right. no uh, convic- I would say conviction. Yeah. Yeah. Right. 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 Um, that's the, that's similar yeah. to just even what I'm learning in the context of biblical Christian counseling too mm-hmm. is um, uh, sometimes what we're working with are sort of I feel like our ratios in terms of uh, the more uh, integrationist or progressive form of counseling you get, it's more of fully affirming of right. whatever the client brings you. Right. So it's not it's not even ninety percent affirming; it's a hundred percent. Where on the maybe other end of that is there is zero validation affirming. Yeah. It's, it's just <laughs> quick to quick to hey, you need to just repent. Right. Here's some Bible verses. Yeah, <laughs> I'm caricaturing Here's your a theological flaw and your I'm moral generalizing, flaw. Right, but but yeah. uh, it's a healthier, caricature, but yeah, it's it's somewhat true. Yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I think a healthier approach then would be, uh, yeah, you may you may listen, you may do majority of listening. It could be like ninety percent, but at, there's got to be that ten percent where you do prescribe the right. gospel and the scriptures, and there is a call to come to the cross, come to the Lord, find your redemption there. You can move in slowly, you can move in gently, you can move in patiently, but you got to move in that direction at some point. But um, there is that tradition that you know, like the Rogerian kind of tradition, where it's simply the truth is in you. Let's just yeah. figure out what you what you have in there and you want to express. Yeah. Um, 
it, it's almost like working with ratios. Are you more like 100% over here, 100% over there, or some mixture in between? And I think with practical theology and methods and strategies yeah. for church growth and things like that, I feel like we also work with that somewhat. Um, you can draw people and you can be attractional, um, have relational things happen in the church. Right. And you know, youth students love this youth pastor who's spending time with them, who's loving on them. But is there... Yeah. You know, the gospel and yeah. the call to repentance and to trust in Jesus, to grow as a disciple. Does yeah. that kick in at, Ab- absolutely. at some point? Right. right. That's, that's, uh, and just going beyond, you know, I mean, more than just, you know, your experience, right? Mm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. I, and as for, I said something that kind of try to balance out my experience yep. with a professor. As with the charismatic folks yeah. and friends, my wife's friends in those rooms. What we did, and I still, I think, admire about them, is their uh, prayer life, yeah. uh, the desire to pray, and, and the way they pray so passionately. Um, what I see in our sort of first-gen Korean parent generation in terms of their prayerfulness, I see that in our generation when it comes to that circle of friends, like in the charismatic yeah. movement. Um, could they be more anchored in a biblical way of praying? Sure. But just even the desire, right? Just the desire to say, hey, um, after school, let's get together at someone's house and let's just pray for a couple hours and worship for a couple hours. I mean, there's something very, uh, I, I envy that almost. Like that's that's yeah. really cool. And they show up. They. Yeah. Uh, they could be studying, they could be working, they could be doing all kinds of things, but they're getting together to pray. So I almost like, I feel like with them, I see this sort of like pathos, right? Mm. And with my professor, I saw a certain ethos. Yeah. And no with, <laughs> with my dad and his circles, I see a bunch of logos. And yeah. I think John Frame would say, this is why like, he, I mean, he's he's not a big fan of denominations, although he's part part of the PC and he's thoroughly reformed, but he thinks more, more of as a necessary evil to kind of pull us back from certain errors, but um, yeah. but it's like we still have a lot we can learn from one another, and the body of Christ is broader than kind of our own tribe, and um, there's some benefit to recognizing that too, I think. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, I wouldn't call denominations evil, but <laughs> 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 yeah, I, I know I know what he's mean, yeah, meaning, yeah. but you know, it's, it's but it's like the idea of if there, you know, if you say evil as a you know, just the messiness, right? Messiness of committees and, you know. Um, he mean, like, I guess one way of putting that, I guess, if, if it wasn't for the fall, yeah. we wouldn't need denominations. Yeah, kind of but that's, yeah. that's the thing, right? You have to pick your mess, messiness, right? So yes. if you say, you know, I don't want to be part of denomination because of the messiness, then, then you're just dealing with your own mess, right? <laughs> and you and, form your own right, pseudo-denomination. And, and your own blindness <laughs> and, you know, and yeah. there are, so some things will be less. You don't deal with other people's mess, but, yeah. you know, there's a lot of things you miss out on yeah. for from not being involved I yeah. mean, more than denominationally like it's you know it's sure. about being living in community and with a sense of yeah. how does the unity of the body get manifested in the world and I, that's what yes. I, if i were to say why do we need denominations i, mm. I would say you know you can point to a lot of practical things of accountability and other mm. things but mm. i would say fundamentally when you have a denomination and go beyond your local church it's like you're trying to express the unity of the body of christ mm. you know mm. in a practical way yeah and you do that by being a part of a local church yeah but then how does is your local church not connected to a wider body yeah right and yeah. so you don't have to <coughs> you know say be so broad and say hey we're part of anyone who believes in, in these very basic things yeah. but by practically being involved in denomination you're fleshing out i would say the concept of the body of christ yes. being more than just one 
local congregation. Yes. Yeah. 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 yeah I mean, I, <clears throat> I'm thankful I'm in the PCA. I, I love our denomination. <laughs> yeah. And it, it started with just kind of like you, the way that the certain professors impacted you. It started off just with me being yeah, influenced by Frame, and then the local pastor near RTS Orlando named Randy Greenwald at Covenant Press. And I didn't know anything about the PCA until I interacted with these guys. Yeah. Um, it was only later I found out Keller was a PCA pastor. I actually yeah. have been influenced by Reason for God right, right yeah. out of college. I picked it up in Gangnam at okay. Kyobo Bookstore. In Korea? Yeah. In Korea. <laughs> and I was like, this is yeah. a cool author. He's yeah. infusing some cool things and doing apologetics. I had no idea he was a PCA pastor. Um, although I, he's certainly someone I consider to be a hero. Or just when I was a teenager, I remember my dad giving me a Francis Schaeffer book. Yeah. And I thought it was brilliant. Um, talking about history, art. And I didn't had no idea he was in the PCA either. Yeah. Um, yeah. But it was just, yeah, during my RTS years, following these guys around and yeah. uh, following them to church, office hours, you know, sitting in their living room. That's how I felt like these these are men I respect. I can really model, if I were to do ministry, model my ministry after. Yeah, yeah. And that was when becoming a minister became like a real tangible like possibility for me because up until then, I didn't really feel like I had a model, like I yeah. had examples or, yeah. oh, so that's what a healthy ecosystem looks like for pastoral ministry. Yeah. Um, that's, yeah. that's how I ended up. No, that's uh, great. Yeah. Like, I, I think um, when I was at Gordon-Conwell, I, I would say one of the weaknesses of Gordon-Conwell was, you know, when uh, even though it, it had a tremendous impact in my life, Gordon-Conwell, so I'm indebted to them in a lot of ways, mm. that um, I kind of caricatured the Gordon Conwell graduate, I call it the four views mm. <laughs> theology, mm. you know? So, you know, there are multiple like book books. series, right, yeah. Uh, four yeah. views on baptism, four yeah. views on exotology, four right. views on, you know, sovereignty of God or yeah. whatever. Counseling, yeah. <clears throat> so you become a master of four views, <laughs> yeah. but then yeah. you don't actually know what you believe, mm. right? So you don't mm. actually, so you almost are the person who, yeah, you, you, you guys believe these things and mm. I kind of can take these, but then yeah. it's like, where, what stream do you put yourself in? Mm. You know, like, mm. and so that that was for me too. Like, I went from sort of trying not to be a liberal to like more broader evangelical reformed mm. view. Mm. But then, like, I was like, I have to, and I I, I did value clarity yeah. of thinking. Yeah. And so that's, that's I said, you know, I can't just be a four views guy. Yeah. I can't just be both and. And at one time, you know, yeah. g- groups like Evangelical Free Church, uh, yes. CMA, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. Missionary Alliance, or groups that did both infant baptism and mm-hmm. credo baptism, mm-hmm. you know, it seemed like, hey, that's peaceful. You know, mm-hmm. that's like, hey, my, major on majors and sure. don't yeah. align yourself with one way and be more broad. Mm-hmm. That, that had a lot of appeal to me, mm-hmm. but I realized how how flawed that way is. So mm. there, every every way is flawed too, right? You go a narrow way and you, you forget you, you, you don't have breath, right? right? right but right. for me, I already had the breath. Mm. <laughs> I already, mm. you know, so what I wanted was more, not so much narrowness of mind or, or, or heart, yeah. but I wanted more definition, more mm. clarity. Mm. What, it, what is it that I believed? And yeah. so the more I went, and this is what, one of the reasons why I ended up yeah. in the PCA, it's actually like I went from a very broad, you know, even liberal kind of, uh, potentially to become a liberal, rejecting that, and mm. then you know there was revivalism, sort of seeing the lacking of that, of mm. being able to disciple through that, mm. honing, honing, and it's like this tradition, mm. which links back actually to my family tradition of what I would call actually the pur- Puritanism. Mm. You know, Goshen is rooted fundamentally, I would say, in mm. uh, the best of Puritanism. Mm. You know, the separatist <laughs> movement of like uh, mm. we're going to follow God no matter what, mm. be faithful to the Bible, be faithful to God. 
God no matter what mm. the world says, no mm, matter what mm. the king says, you know. Yeah. And so the covenanters mm. in Scotland, and so like this is my tradition, right? And mm. so like I was like, uh, you know, it, it's not that I wanted to be more narrow and think mindset, mm. but I was like, mm. I, I want to know who I am hmm. theologically. Yeah. And that meant making decisions. Yes. What do I believe about Calvinism and Arminianism? Mm-hmm. Or, you know, what do I believe about the broad reform traditions and yeah. what, where do I fit? Yes. Do I fit in this neo-orthodoxy or conservatism? You know, what do I think about Machen? What do I think about? And yeah. so I'm kind of like trying to make decisions yeah. of what I believe. Yeah. And even to the point of, uh, you know, I have to be ordained. And so like, right. I was going to think about joining a, a Presbyterian denomination. But at that time, I was very heavily influenced by Reformed Baptists. Hmm. You know, John hmm. Piper, Scott Haifman, and they had a lot of appeal to me. This is like the is This the is 80s, 90s. Eight, the 90s. Yeah. Okay. So this is at Gordon Conwell. I went to Gordon Conwell. 1990. So early 90s, I got ordained in 1995, but early 90s, I realized I might be a Reformed Baptist because mm. I'm Reformed. I became Calvinistic yeah. at Gordon yeah. Conwell yeah. and you know, committed to inerrancy, you know, like the, uh, you know, the, the Chicago's, not the fundamentalist kind of inerrancy, <coughs> but more uh, the evangelical inerrancy. Um, yes, yeah. And so, like Sproul, and, you know, who's a huge influence yeah. as well. But um, I um, went through a period where I might have been a closet Reformed Baptist, you know, because <laughs> all my heroes, I loved Spurgeon, I loved yeah. uh, John Bunyan, you know. And so. Wait, John Bunyan's a Baptist? Yeah, you didn't know? I didn't know. <laughs> That's why I got in prison. <laughs> oh. Yeah, because yeah, John Owen was just as, you know, but he was, you know, Church of England, and so yeah, he was right. this country preacher. Yeah. Uh, you John know. Bunyan was a Baptist. Okay. Yeah, so. Yeah, he, he was so he, he there are these baptistic heroes and then Adoniram mm-hmm, Judson mm-hmm. you know who's the first missionary and he had a beautiful story about him mm, um, mm. and so you know I heard about all these people and studied their life and was very attracted to the reformed baptist view um, but I was troubled you know like I'm mm. a Presbyterian in my background um, mm. I read books I did studies but like I, I was like 50-50 you know there was, yeah. there was no closing argument mm, you know mm. but actually it's when I visited it later on actually this is I, I got ordained not sure you know if I was a, a paleo Baptist or not mm, actually mm. which you know that's kind of sad <laughs> you know I, I was you know I baptized my first child in 1999 I was mm, ordained mm. in 1995 mm-hmm. um, in the you know not not a convicted reformed Baptist but had a lot of leanings sure. that way yeah. and not fully comfortable with infant baptism though yeah. I did see its grounding some questions. Yeah, but it wasn't until 2000 and 2001 when I actually went to Minnesota. That's another part of my story. When I ended up in Minnesota to sit under John Piper's ministry. Wow. Yeah, for a year that huh. um, I actually became a Presbyterian. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm, I went to Princeton and I became a conservative. Wait, how did that happen? <laughs> I went to broad... Uh, <laughs> Broad, you know, Gordon Conwell evangelicalism, and I came out like Westminster Reformed. <laughs> How did and that then, happen at Bethlehem Baptist Church yeah. with John Piper? So um, it was actually seeing immersion, hmm. seeing infant dedication, hmm. seeing the commitment that the Bethlehem Baptist Church had to the children. I was my wife and I. We couldn't be members because we're Presbyterians, but we could get involved with the children's ministry. So oh, really? I, I led huh. praise for the kindergartners. You, could you do communion? What? Could, yeah. So so that's they led the thing about okay. John Piper had an at that time he had more of an open communion. I see. Like okay. he just let anyone take it, you know. So and, <laughs> I, and yeah. he had some he had some unique views <laughs> on these, right? 
Yeah, but it's it's I I, I still because I heard about that and and I uh, at least the Baptist churches where they forbid Presbyterians from communion. To me, that's logically consistent. Right. So when you let me take <coughs> when when Piper lets a Presbyterian take communion, I, I have trouble reconciling the. Yeah, he had a lot of inconsistencies in that because at one time he was trying to push for uh, non-Baptists to become members. So if you, mm-hmm. he had Presbyterians okay. in his congregation. I see. Okay, and they were infant baptized, but they would would not submit to you know that part of the right. Yeah. So it would be rebaptism for us because we right. consider infant baptism baptism. Yeah. So you know you're asking me to rebaptize, right. you know, but the, for them it's like we're asking you to be baptized in the biblical way or whatever, right? So <laughs> that's what they would say. We do it his way. You do it your way. We do it his way. Uh, that was their line, uh, you know, but. But there was a point, I think that's pretty public, where John Piper mm-hmm. made a motion to have non-members or, or like have people who were not baptized by immersion, mm-hmm. immersion, who were infant baptized to become members by profession of faith mm-hmm. without baptism, without mm-hmm. requiring them as a kind of a conscientious objection. Conscience kind of right? thing. Right? But okay. that was actually rejected by Bethlehem Baptist Church. Oh, yeah, so they okay. never implemented it. I see. So, Interesting. Yeah, but, but he himself wanted that and he was pushing I for see, that at I one see. time. He was arguing for it. But, but in your experience, so your, your your time there, your observation of what was going on, right. did you feel like like the way that they dedicated the children and all yeah, that, so you might as well baptize them? or? Well, there was a couple of things, and I just had recently had a conversation with a, a pastor about this. Right, mm-hmm. was, his his convictions are more Reformed Baptist, okay. and I was sharing this exact story yesterday. Mm-hmm. But like, there was a couple of things that really struck me, you know, which is, uh, you know, I, I'd known the biblical arguments and so forth on both sides, but just like Gordon Conwell, I had my four views, understanding, and you know, mm-hmm. could see both sides, but nothing really where I can stand on conviction. Mm-hmm. But I think seeing their infant dedication. Well, there was a couple of things, right? One is uh, the tokenism of, in, like, the way Presbyterians do it. We use a little bit of water, mm. right? We don't, it's not dramatic. Mm. Right? Sprinkling. So that was one just, apart from the other issues, right? it was mm. like, one is like, man, immersion just seems cooler. You know, it's just like, <laughs> it's more vivid. You know, uh-huh, it's like, uh-huh. and I personally think that's more of the reasons why people do it. Mm. It's mm. more dramatic, mm. right? That going under and yeah, surfacing yeah. So, again. So the, the, the meaning and, and, you know, yeah. all those meanings, but it's, yeah. it's just visually dramatic, sure. right? And so I kind of like that too, right? And mm. so mm. I was like, hmm, you know, but then when I saw the baptism, Mm. They have communion. Mm -hmm. They use a little bit of wafer and a little bit of grape juice. They don't try to reduplicate this first Lord's Supper. And if they would, they would have a Seder meal. They would try to reduplicate Mm. things. And uh, they don't even are concerned to use the exact elements that would be used in in the Mm. first communion. I was like a token. <laughs> mm. the The power of this is not in the dramatic nature of it. Mm-hmm. It's not that we have an elaborate. Let's say we we're having the Lord's Supper. We're gonna go all out with decorations, put the finest china, silverware, yeah. Yeah. and we're gonna make it special. Mm. What makes it special? It's the meaning. Yeah. So that that was the first part where I said, "Oh wow, it's the meaning mm-hmm. that's important." Yeah. And the other thing is when I actually saw them dunk people, it was beautiful. But I was like, there were other things like it's like, oh, you know, is that is that guy? You know, this lady's kind of heavy. You know, is he going to be able to pull her? Those other like earthly kind of uh, thoughts. It's, it was, it's actually very distracting. Mm. And I personally, I thought like baptism by immersion, it would actually be more meaningful. Mm. But I found it not more meaningful. It was more visually dramatic, mm. but not more meaningful. And that's mm. the whole point, right? Mm. So doing little bit of water. Mm. 
if you do it with meaning, mm-hmm. that's where the power is. That's where the the mm-hmm. me- that's what that's what it's about, not yeah. about how dramatic it is, yeah. right? So yeah. that was one thing that I was like, oh wow, that's really mm-hmm. what I appreciate about this is the meaning. So mm-hmm. what is the meaning of this, right? So yeah. that's that's yeah. one. Yeah. And even the yeah even the Baptists have a token meal, and that doesn't take away from the meaning. It, it, right. In fact, it actually focuses you on the meaning of it yeah. instead of the style of it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. and I think a lot of people are more convinced about the style of it than the meaning of it yeah. right that's yeah. one the other was when they dedicated their babies and that was, I was sitting there and it was a wonderful church and their yeah. commitment to children's ministry mm-hmm. and was amazing hmm. right where I still learn from their children we used desi- children desiring God and so many things I learned <clears throat> from the ministry hmm. and wonderful parents so committed a lot of homeschoolers are yeah, yeah. you know uh, committed to their children yeah and when they're dedicating their babies you know part of me said where's the water right but uh but the, it was actually more their vows, mm. right? So to paraphrase, you know, part of the vows is, it is our sincere hope mm. that this our child will come to know the Lord. Mm. And we dedicate him, we commit to raise him in the nurture of the Lord. And we, you know, in our Presbyterian infant, we have the dedication words as well, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. of we commit to, we dedicate our child to uh, raise them up in the nurture of the Lord as yeah. well. But we also make another vow of we, belie- we, we, you know, we, we believe the covenant promises on our child's behalf, right? Yeah. So we, there's something more. Yeah. But like, I think the question for me was when, when the parent says, it is our hope that our child will know Jesus, right? Basically. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. come to faith mm-hmm. I said that is the hope of every believing parent mm-hmm. right absolutely mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. no doubt it should be and it's so right to make that kind of words mm. but I was like what is your hope based on mm. is your hope based on how committed you are to raise the child yeah. and it was like it just really clicked it's like mm. how committed is God yeah right to help my child yeah. Yeah. and is there a difference between a child of a believer to a child of a non-believer and then yeah. then it actually just like all made sense to me mm. Mm-hmm. Where it's like, wow, mm. the covenant, <laughs> yeah. right? Yeah. Why can I have hope that my child will be in the faith? It's not because I'm so dedicated, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, as Sinclair Ferguson says, you know, like baptism can be, you know, the Baptist, it's like a sign of your faith. Yes. Yeah. But, it, you know, it's like infant baptism, particularly, it highlights the sign of God's faithfulness. Yes. Yeah. And I think all those things, which I knew, like, it just kind of fit. And yeah. I was like, wow, you know, my job as a parent is to raise them up in the faith mm-hmm. and not to the faith. Yeah. I am to be predominantly a discipler yeah. and not an evangelist, yeah. which means that, yes, we, we try to keep them from going out, but yeah. like that's where we can say they are to be raised as a believer. Right. And, you know, in practice, that's what the Baptist, the, the well-meaning Bible-grounded Baptist, that's what they actually do. Mm. And I even one time heard John Piper talking about this, and if they're not, you know, heirs of the covenant, you know, mm-hmm. like we covenant people believe they're, the children are the heirs of the covenant. You know, he used the word award. <laughs> they are award. <laughs> you know, we are to caretake, you huh. know, but mm. they're not this immediate descendant. And so mm. they have their different ways to it. Mm. But it was... It was ironic that I was at a Baptist church and it yeah. helped to galvanize my Presbyterian and covenantal mm. Presbyterianism. Mm. <clears throat> and um, and the other aspect to this too was that there was a community. Mm. I mean, you can see, think of it. I'm in a Baptist church. I would have a community of Baptists, but there were two younger pastors who were Calvary Chapel pastors. And if you know anything about Calvary Chapel, they're anti-Calvinist. Right. They're Baptistic, yeah. right? Yeah. But they were in missionaries. I think it was in Croatia or Serbia in, in Eastern Europe. 
Europe, there were missionaries, two young 20-something guys. Yeah. They were married. They started to read John Piper. They started to read Puritans, mm. John Owen. <laughs> mm. You know, like they were like, you know, unique, mm. you know, 20-year-olds, right? 20-somethings. Mm. Yeah. They were Caucasian, both Caucasian. And they realized, wow, we're Calvinist. <laughs> huh. And they told that to the Calvary Chapel. They got kicked out. <laughs> <laughs> they got kicked out of Calvary oh, Chapel. No. They got uh-huh. sent home. <laughs> oh, man. So they're like, what do we do now? It's like, well, let's go sit under John Piper. And that was the same wow. year. I was felt like I needed a break from ministry to learn. And I, I, I would love to sit under John Piper's ministry and see how his ministry is. Because hmm. I've been reading his books. And, you know, a Were lot you of married people, at the time? Were you single? I was. I was married. So yeah. you went to Minnesota with... With Gloria. Gloria, my first child, who was at that time uh, wow. j- just a t- just a baby, he was one wow. year. Actually, he was one and a half, and my wife was pregnant with our second child. That's a big. It's a commitment. It's a to... big commitment. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So we and it was a sabbatical, my own self-imposed sabbatical, where I had no funding from any outside source. I just basically went to Minnesota. We rented a cheap apartment, and I worked. I got a part-time job working, and then I t- where, we attended. Where were you working? I worked <laughs> at uh, U.S. Bank. U.S. Bank as an administrative assistant so I got wow. linked up with a temp, temp agency and you know you know I'm pretty good with admin stuff actually you know okay. so so I ended up being a, a you know executive administrative assistant to a vice president at US Bank <laughs> <laughs> yeah like so yeah. wow and um because they needed a temporary it was a very temporary position so sure you know, I mean, I, I mean, so I, yeah, I had Owen during the first year of seminary, and that was that was tough. Um, but yeah. just, I mean, I can't imagine what it was like to uproot your life, yeah. move to this cold, freezing state of Minnesota. Well, I don't know, maybe East Coast you're familiar <laughs> with it, but just it's to, cold. Six months winter. Yeah, right. Yeah. I mean, that's. Yeah, that's such a huge decision. It um, was, and my wife wasn't. Full, you know, I, I must. Say, my wife. My wife is a saint. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Throw that in there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah uh, she, you know. Yeah, she indulged sort of my foolishness, and for me, it was such a needed and yeah. formative time for me. Yeah, no, it, it sounds. It was amazing. super hard for her. Mm, you know. Mm, yeah. Um, yeah. So young baby plus pregnancy, and that's yeah. Yeah. So our second child was born in. Mm, uh, mm. I didn't talk about my Rhode Island time when I had my first child, but <clears throat> but anyway, that's where that's where and that conviction from John Piper's church slowly led me to you know actually out of all the denominations in the country where my theology and sort of my mm-hmm. ministry yeah. philosophy yeah you know I mean PCA is is not perfect but uh, it's it's PCA was where I felt like the future was I mean you know that mm. pe- it's broad enough to include people like Keller and you know RC Sproul and yeah. Others, you know, who are, you know, more conservative, uh, you know, like more on the uh, TR side, you know, if you would. But, uh, but you know, it's broad enough where mm. there's, um, it's not just one, right? Sure. And so I yeah. kind of, it, it did have a right breath, but it had a very sure. clear core sure. as well, which I, I fully agreed with. So, uh, and there was that last piece of being covenantal. And then later on, uh, to understand the confessions more. And that was okay. a whole nother issue. Of, I see. As I went through the process of ordination with the PCA, that yeah. I realized, like, I had all this theology that I actually developed almost on my own like because I had to wrestle with all these things yeah. outside of seminary that when I went through the transfer process I realized how sloppy my confessional language was hmm. that I, I read the Westminster Confession before but there was not a good integration of my theology with biblical text and hmm. with confessional language hmm. you know and hmm. I, I would say I don't see that many people do this well either 
you know, yeah. in a lot of in a lot of a lot of people that I see. Yeah. But I would say because of my history, it forced me mm. to link these three. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's not just knowing confessional language. It's like what's the biblical foundation for this? Mm. You know, and how does it work in a theological system? So there that having a theology, mm. having confessional language, yeah. Yeah. and then knowing the biblical underpinning and grounding yeah. that ultimately yeah. this yeah. is biblical theology. Were you so, serving at a PCA church or were you still at like a Koshin type of church while you're trans- transitioning to PCA yourself? What was okay, your ministry So if context? I could just backtrack a yeah, little bit because yeah. there was a whole decade that, that I missed, <laughs> right? <laughs> and you know, I'm 60, so this might be a long talk. <laughs> All right, but like so. So this post Bethlehem, like well, yeah, sometime so, after. Yeah, this is pre Bethlehem, what I'm about to explain. Oh, okay, okay, yeah, okay, yeah, okay. So I graduated from Gordon Conwell, mm. um, finishing the THM program, and while I yes. was there, I served at a church in Amherst, Massachusetts, okay. uh, doing campus ministry, okay. uh, or English ministry in the five college area of Amherst. I you see. know, the Smith, Holyoke, Mount Holyoke, mm. you know, mm. UMass. Mm. So I, I have a lot of friends and people through that connection mm. of people I minister to in that mm. area, mm. like Joe Chi. If you're familiar with Joe Chi, the yeah, yeah, pastor. he came, he came speak to. Uh, he was us one of my college retreat. students. <laughs> wow, you know, at, when he was attending UMass, you know, he was uh, I was his pastor, you mm. know. So um, wow. So then uh, after Gordon Conwell, I took a job at um, in in California, in Fullerton, mm. California, mm. at a church called Orange Korean Church. It was a mm. CRC church, okay. and I had nothing to do with the CRC, but a a Princeton grad Mm. had become the senior pastor of the Korean ministry Mm. at OKC, Paul Yang, and he he asked me, you know, uh, he was a third year, I was a first year Mm. at at Princeton, and so when he, when he, later on, when he, when he uh, started, or not started, when he got called as the senior pastor of this Korean ministry, Mm -hmm. um, he invited me to start. Mm. They only had a college group and youth group, but he wanted me to start an English ministry, Uh, like for post-college. Gotcha. Yeah, and turn the college group into an English ministry, and so Mm. I did that for two years and met some wonderful people, but it was, it was a very difficult time. Time in my life. This was when I was single, and um, while I was there, you know, I was I served there for two years. Uh, mm. <clears throat> uh, you know, met a lot of wonderful people there mm-hmm. as well. Uh, mm. But it was a challenging ministry, mm. um, and it was one of those ministries. When I started, I wanted to leave. Mm. <laughs> uh, you know, like first week I started, it's like, what did this? What did my friend? You know, I, I, t- I even told my friend, why didn't you tell me about some of these situations? Right? <laughs> I won't get into it because it's going to take too long. <laughs> Like mm. he says, oh, I, I didn't tell you because you wouldn't have come if I told you. All right, so <laughs> he tricked me. Like, and I should I didn't my do my I didn't do my due diligence and looking. I kind of trusted my friend and I came to California and it wow. was a very difficult situation with staffing. There's a lot of staffing issues and you know certain dynamics about the church mm. that made it very difficult. Um, but and but I stayed two years there. Mm. You know, wow. and for me it was like I don't see myself staying here forever. But I, God called me here for a purpose. Let me learn what. Yeah. I'm here for and yeah. but it was two two of the toughest years you know of my life actually you know it's a very tough ministry mm. um, but learned you know knew that I wasn't really fit in California you know more mm. northeast guy or whatever but mm. um, but literally one time I was praying about my future yeah. and I get a call like you know like ministry is a calling right so I 
I'm praying, Lord, what should I do, right? I've been struggling through this, yeah. uh, I, you know, where should I go? I, I didn't even know what, what, how to think about it, but, yeah. but I prayed. And while I was praying, I get a phone call from a guy named Sam Folta, who's doing ministry in Rhode Island, hmm. <coughs> doing this campus church, that a, a campus ministry that was started as a Bible study by Stephen Um, you know, yep. a friend of mine. And so Stephen Um started the ministry under the tutelage of Victor Kim, mm-hmm. you know, who's in Hartford, and they started this ministry at Brown University. Mm-hmm. And then it became a KAPC work, and it became a, a campus church. Mm. You know, at that time it was called Providence Presbyterian Campus Church. Mm. And Sam Folta, who's Caucasian, OPC, um, and married to a Korean lady, he speaks fluent Korean. Huh. He's wow. a missionary to, to, you know, in the in the East Asia, let me ah, say, okay. just say. Mm. And uh, he um, he called me up. Mm. We we knew each other through Gordon Conwell connection. Ah, okay. And he said, Billy, you know, like you know, we I'm leaving for missions next year and we need someone to take over this ministry in Brown you know Mm. it's kind of grown into a a church and you know there's not a lot of finances but there's a church that's willing to support it and uh, would you consider coming back to the East Coast and you know I said to him you know Sam I was just praying about it (laughs) wow you know, because I actually wanted to come back to the East Coast. And then that started the process of, you know, yeah. looking into it. And then I ended up becoming the pastor of mm. a campus church at Brown and RISD in Providence, Rhode Island. Mm. And I was there for six years, wow. three of them as a single person, three of them as a married person. So I got married right in the middle. So Is that I started. where you met Gloria? Like- yeah. Well, I didn't meet her there. Okay. But while I was there, uh, we, we had mission trips to Kazakhstan. So from 1995, we had, uh, so I started there in 1994. Mm. So I wanted to do summer missions, you know, with the college students. So yeah. we, you know, located Central Asia, right? Kazakhstan yeah. as a mission because one of my friends was taking uh, teams there and stuff. So I said, yeah, you know, one of my seminary friends was leading yeah. a team. And so I said, well, just piggyback with you guys and can we okay. just send yeah. a couple of students? And so <laughs> yeah. at that time, it was just two brown students, myself. <clears throat> and then there was an MIT student. There was a Gloria and my friend. How did was, she get plucked into that? Because she's from Virginia. And so this guy, he, the seminary friend, he, he was from Virginia, went to mm. UVA. And so through his University of Virginia connections, my wife kind of got connected. And was she, she a student at the time? <clears throat> she was just graduating. She She's just graduated, had graduated. Okay. And she was go- right. going into the graduate program. I see. I so see. she graduated and she was, you know, at that time when we met, she was 22. Yeah. Gotcha, yeah. And I was 30, yeah, mm. when we met. So, But we were on the mission trip together. Mm. And, um, you know. Was it love at first sight? <laughs> it wasn't love at first sight, but actually through the mission trip, it was, we ended up just learning to respect each other you know mm. like oh wow you know you know she thought i was a good pastor <laughs> and then you know i thought wow she's a very godly woman you know mm. that's how it started yeah you know and then our relationship started about six months or so after that but did yeah. you did you kind of approach her and like kind of well initiate <laughs> i don't know if i want to get this all on tape <laughs> but um we must okay yeah so <laughs> Okay, let me just backtrack a little bit. Okay, so, uh, I'm just, so I'm just I, curious yeah. about your story. So I ended up going to Brown uh, University, and yeah. that ministry, uh, I've, I've told some people this, it's like I've been in a lot of different ministries, and that ministry was maybe my sweetest time of ministry, mm. like where I was sort of coming into my own. I was understanding my own theological identity of who I was as a pastor. You know, I ended up getting comfortable enough to get, get married, and, mm-hmm. um, and there was just a great group of people mm. 
Brown, um, mm, and they were just very responsive to my ministry and huh. uh, so much fruit, you know, huh. you know. And so that that was that wasn't a common thing then, was it? Like on a typical Northeast sort of Ivy League type kind of place where revivals have or like yeah. So you would think you know liberal school like this is another thing. You know, Brown is like Wesleyan. It's very liberal and you know uh, has that kind of ethos. But um, like, and it's almost like my liberal education, even my going to Princeton and having a Princeton degree opened a lot of doors at Brown University. Mm. Because if I meet with the chaplain, who's very liberal, right? Right, right. And she's like, oh, yeah, tell me about you. You know, you went to Princeton Princeton Seminary. And so you kind of get that credibility, (laughs) right? (laughs) And so that did help me, Mm. you know, in in those circles. Uh You know, even though I was a very conservative, you know, evangelical Presbyterian, you know, that (laughs) I I actually understand the liberal mindset and some of the Mm. questions. And, you know, as the liberalism today is like, it's almost like gone way too it's far. Changed. It's changed. Leftism yeah. is more than liberalism, you know? Okay. But like, um, it's like liberalism with power, mm. <laughs> you know? Since they gained sort of uh, social and political power, like uh, it turns into a different animal than when liberalism remains a minority, you know? Mm. Then they just ask questions and they become the mm. cool people that, you know, disrupt things. But, you know, society doesn't depend on, <laughs> mm. on them and their ways. Mm. But, um, you know, so at Brown, it was like the sweetest ministry um you know, I have every ministry, there was always struggles, you know, but mm. there was always good fruit as well. Mm. But at Brown, there was particularly, you know, a fit thing. And there there were times I was like doubting, man, maybe, maybe I should have left, never left there because mm-hmm. that was a great ministry. Mm. But I think by the end of it, I was wanting to go into family ministry and wanting yeah. to see a second gen church kind of planted, yeah, yeah. you know, that that's when I took a year off at John uh, Piper's church to prepare for that. I see. The next step. Right? I see. Yeah. Yeah. But before then, it was... It was was more, um, you know, uh, apart from the, the, at least the Calvinistic convictions, like church-based, church is super important in the life of a Christian. Yeah. So it's church-based campus ministry. And, uh, you know, so at, at Brown, I, I, I made a list afterwards of people who came out of that ministry yeah. who are in, uh, either they're in ministry, uh, who are like wives, of pastor's wives, missionaries, you know, people who are, who've gone into full-time ministry. Yeah. You know, I mean, it wasn't a huge ministry and it doesn't compare with other mm-hmm. ministries ministries that have huge impact but mm-hmm, mm-hmm. in that context we, I listed 35 people mm. who went into ministry wow. or missions wow. or like you know pastors wives and I think some of them might you know might have gone through the hard road of mm. leaving the ministry or, and things but um, but yeah there's a lot of guys mm. uh, you know Duquan was part of that ministry uh, oh, wow yeah Paul Jung uh, who's professor at RTS Was- Washington oh, yeah, yeah yeah wow uh, that was his See, pastor that's crazy <laughs> yeah uh, <laughs> who else I mean that's a I lot mean. of other guys. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, Stephen, um, he was not under, mm. we, but we were friends. And, right, and okay. so that, you know, I, I had a lot of connections. You're, you're much older than him, though, aren't you? I'm only a few years older. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. I why think I, I'm like three why or think four Stephen years older. Was younger. Yeah. But, okay. Yeah, so. I'm way more mature than him. <laughs> <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Sorry, Steve. <laughs> If you're ever listening to this. Love it. No. Um, Wait, so we got to go back to how you initiated with Gloria. Okay. So, <laughs> yeah. So when we were, you know, obviously, uh, you know, during the mission trip, I'm a pastor. So, you know, you're not thinking about a relationship and that's sort There's of boundaries. out of bounds. But I think, you know, through it, um, we came to mutually respect each other. And at the end of the mission trip, yeah. right, you know, I don't think she ever knew how I felt about her or whatever. But we, you know, we had those kind of debrief where uh, we spoke about what we learned yeah, and sort yeah. of we spoke about sort of the things we learned about each other mm. and um, it was a really affirming
farming time yeah. where you know it was just six of us on the yeah, team. Yeah, yeah. And so we all got really close. And so people said a lot of nice things about me mm-hmm. and Gloria at the time. Mm-hmm. Like she started to say a lot of nice things about me, and she would probably not remember this at all. But when she started talking about me, <laughs> yeah. so she started to cry. Really? Yeah. I mean, she cries on. She's very. She she easily cries. She's a very deep person. So when she prays or, uh-huh. mm. you know, she's afraid to pray at church because she'll go to tears. You know, as she thinks about praying. You know, yeah. in front of people. Wow. So she's a very deep person that way. But yeah, uh, she started to cry, and that actually touched me. I remember touching me, and and I had said some nice things about her, affirming wow. her. So that was like friendship. Yeah, you know? yeah. That's yeah. like bonding there. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, so, but then, <clears throat> actually, this is an interesting story of like so months go by. You know, know but um and just like that story when i'm like praying mm-hmm, and say mm-hmm. lord you know what do you want me to do yeah right and i get a call right mm-hmm. there was one night right one saturday night i was feeling really down uh-huh. you know and i was being feeling down that i'm still single mm. right i was like probably 30 i was 30 mm. just probably just turned 31 mm. and i was thinking like you know kind of lord what's going on you know kind of uh-huh. you know i mean obviously there are things you can do but you know sometimes when you're a calvinist you can almost think like god has to do everything <laughs> and <laughs> you're just sitting there wanting something to happen <laughs> And so, you know, I'm like, God, what's going on? You know, like, or like, you know, just feeling disgruntled uh-huh. about my situation. Uh-huh. And then having a, one of those moments where you, you repent of it mm. and say, Lord, here I am, you know, like, mm. whatever happens is, is good. And so it, I had those moments where I recommit my life to the Lord yeah. as I'm preparing for Sunday, as I'm thinking about my life. And, yeah. and so I basically pray a prayer of recommitting to uh-huh. trust God's sovereign plan. Yeah. And um, almost immediately. No way. In my he- Stop it. No, in my head, I said, I think I like Gloria. Mm. <laughs> right? And I wrote that down in my journal. I, but I didn't write her name. I said, I think I like G. <laughs> and and that's Saturday night. That's so funny. The next day, Sunday, you know, I preach. And um, I, I had to go home to my apartment for to get something. But then while I'm there, only, yeah. you know, I'm supposed to be there only for a short time. Yeah. I get a phone call. And it's Gloria. <laughs> I mean, I'm, honest to God, this is... This is crazy. Like, she called me up because... It wasn't anything to do with me, right? Yeah. The the context is she called to get the phone number of one one of the my students who was female, you know. And that she, was her true intention. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so she she was a playwright, so she did she wrote oh, wow. a play for Brown, right? So huh. Jen Kim. So she wrote a play for Brown and she was you know, basically having a student play uh-huh. at Brown Theater, right? Uh-huh. So so uh, some of the people from the mission team wanted to come mm. and so she was trying to get information about that. Mm. And she didn't have Jen's phone number. And so, mm-hmm. you know, back in, there was no Facebook and stuff like, you know, it's, right, like, it's yeah. like, this is phone call, <laughs> right? So, um, so you know, I, I sounded like really happy to hear from her. And this is like since the mission trip ended in the summer. Wow. And this is probably more like probably around November, mm-hmm. November-ish. Wow. <clears throat> and so, uh, or October, November, can't remember the exact date. But like, yeah. so she calls me up, just asked for them. But I sound like really excited to hear from her and, you know, but nothing happened right after then so okay. you know we exchanged you christmas didn't tell cards her about your journal no, entry no i didn't I, I actually didn't at all but i just filed it in as like oh circumstance so mm. you know how do you find god's will right there's conviction in your heart i mean you know i, I always say, trust in the sovereignty of god obey god's moral will and then the third level of personal will hmm. you know conviction of heart hmm. circumstances counsel hmm. common sense 
So wow. I actually went follow that pattern, wow. right? And so, wow, I saw that as circumstance, like the phone call. But then I was like, and it took a, a while. Actually, it wasn't mm. until probably around April. Mm. And it was significant because April is when she turned one year older, <laughs> which is mm. she was 23, mm. 22 when I met her, but then she was turning 23. Mm. But for some reason, I felt like one year older, the age gap, you know, we had an age gap. Um, so, you know, when I turned November, mm -hmm. uh, you know, like we have a nine-year age gap, mm -hmm. you know, by the number until she turns the next, mm -hmm. her birthday's April. Mm -hmm. so, so after she turned, then we're eight years age gap. <laughs> so I don't know why, but I, I kind of waited until after okay. her birthday okay. to get a little older. <laughs> that I, For some reason, that felt a little more comfortable to me. Yeah. Because uh, a lot of my students, yeah. the oldest of my college students were 22, mm. right? Mm. So 23 sort of seemed to put it outside of the yeah. college age. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, I, I called her up and said, and I, had, I was supposed to be in Virginia for something, mm. but it was far away from UVA, right? It wasn't close to UVA, uh -huh. but I said, hey, I'm, I'm in, the, in your area. Can I, can I come and see you? <laughs> And so that's, that's, you know, so I made this trip. <laughs> I'm, in, I'm in your hood. I'm in your neighborhood. Yeah. <laughs> it's uh, three hours away, but, <laughs> you know, so I, I, I ended up visiting her. And that's where I sort of, you know, you confess. I confessed uh, how I felt about her. And, you know, basically. What was uh, her response? She didn't say a whole lot, you know, but she, she, she just kind of shook her head and she, she was willing. She was okay, okay, okay. With, okay with us proceeding. She kind of knew. Huh. Okay. Yeah, so already. she has some yeah. sense of. So that's okay. how our relationship started. But because it was long distance dating, yeah. you know, I couldn't see her a whole lot. And, you know, they don't have the technology that we right. have now. And so it was like, hard. It was long. You write so, letters or what, yeah, phone so calls and letters? I proposed in at the end of January or end of June. So okay. we started the relationship. So it's like yeah. less than three months. Yeah. Proposed. Wow. Yeah. 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 And then I went on a mission trip that summer. And then when I came back, we had a formal career. Korean-style engagement in August. Okay. Of, uh, that was August of 96. So, um, and then uh, because she was doing, her, uh, after her graduate program, she graduated um, UVA, undergrad, graduate mm. program mm. <clears throat> in teaching and education. And um, she was offered a job as an adjunct professor at University of Virginia as oh, wow. a 23-year-old. Wow. So uh, teaching in the faculty of the music music department. That's amazing. Right? So mm. she was teaching piano to the university students, but she huh. uh, was so you know so basically she wanted to work for yeah. the first year so we got married after so i personally wanted to get married right away you know because but uh, we ended up getting married um 97 in okay. in may may 31st 1997 wow yeah. wow so. at what point did you show her i'm assuming you showed her your journal entry yeah <laughs> at what point did you uh. show her the journal entry and and that and that this g doesn't stand for god yeah, but yeah for yeah. glory <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I did. I think I, I shared with her. I can't remember the exact time when I shared with her, but yeah, she knows about it. You know, she. Do you still it. have it? It's somewhere, but you I, have it's not to. In a special. It yeah. is though. You got to bring that out on <laughs> Valentine's Day. Give her like a framed version. <laughs> that of journal that. has, you know. I mean, I only wrote in journals when I was depressed. <laughs> So I don't really like looking at those journals yeah, yeah. because even though it ends in, you know, I usually try to end those journal entries with some, like kind of like the Psalms, you know, yeah, Lord, why sure. is my, like mm. put your hope in God. And so uh. they do end, hopefully, you know, as their statements of faith at the end of those. It's not just raw. Like the just, Psalms. Yeah, yeah. So I've, I've, 
you know, never been a proponent of just just complete rawness. You know, it's just you know, like mm-hmm. I not that that's completely wrong, but uh, mm-hmm. for me, you know, I had enough prayerful. sensibilities from my background. It's like always I need to land. You know, on sure, sure. I have to hope in God. That's and good. So, yeah. But hoping God doesn't mean you can't be honest about where you right. feel, where you right. are. Right. So yeah, yeah. So but but, uh, but I yeah, those journal entries were all times where I wanted to give up in ministry mm-hmm. or like felt like you know I wasn't doing any good or like you know just you know it's the dark night of the soul type of things you know and mm-hmm. and they're all almost the same because it's all the same kind of things you know mm-hmm. like and and maybe i was too afraid to put on paper like you know the real things i was struggling with i mean so i i you know that's why the whole g thing so I said, what if someone reads this i don't want to i want to code it a little bit you know <laughs> so i was very conscious about it so, but um, yeah, that is one beautiful entry, though. I mean, that is one. You have one glorious entry in there that you should yeah, pull out, yeah. frame. I think and I gift. might have taken a picture of it <laughs> yeah. to preserve it somewhere. But okay. uh, you know, it's, it's that's special. Yeah. It is special, yeah. and and just providentially, you know, those those things. Uh, you know, like I mean, I don't. I didn't bank on like we're meant to be together because of the phone call. You know, because of that circumstance, or I was writing. Uh-huh. But definitely, it was a piece of it. You know. Mm, it was mm, it was one yeah. of those providential yeah, absolutely. pieces absolutely to the puzzle yeah, you know yeah. yeah it's interesting how you're you're having that moment and you're prayerful and the 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 immediate answer comes yeah so i i, I took it as like wow god god has been gracious to me and mm. you know i i've not heard an audible voice Mm-mm. but in my life uh, you know, I can really uh, vouch for God's will is not, God is not trying to hide his will, mm. you know, he does reveal it, but we could have a lot of blinders and just that my worries and anxieties, what if, you know, like mm-hmm. in some sense prevented me from thinking about something that yeah. was actually in my heart, but it was muddled with, and I probably had thought of her before, yeah. but it was like, always like, oh, what about age difference, distance, and you know, and all these other things, you know, that was mm. muddling. Mm-hmm. But when the clarity of seek first God's kingdom, Mm. And God knows best. Yeah, you know God will. You know Romans. You know eight twenty eight. You know yeah. He works all things for the good. Yeah, not all things are good, but yeah. all things work for the good. And so, mm. you know, it. it um, yeah, definitely. Um, you know, like different ministry calls. Mm. Um, I, I can say I saw the hand of God mm. directing me, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know, that yeah. it was not me, you know, yeah. per se. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I think you're the first person I met who beat my record of getting engaged in three months. Okay. Um, and, and you've been married how long now? Uh, 25, we celebrate okay. 25 years. Uh, wow. 26 years this year, actually. Wow. But, um, yeah, so 26 years yeah, plus. Awesome. 26 yeah. and a half. So that's good. I mean, that, yeah. that gives me a lot of hope. Yeah. <laughs> Because <laughs> you know, typically, typically people might think that's too soon, or uh, you didn't get to know the person. It all well depends enough, on stage of it, life. It really, I, yeah, I think it depends, yeah. and it depends on your faith and your um, and how you spend those few months. And yeah, but um, yeah, we got we got engaged in three months, and then the wedding was three more months later. <coughs> so it was all within six months we, where we met and got married. If you know, you know. Right. Yeah. So yeah. I, and I think like, part of it is also like just I I, I was I think I was, I'm still a firm believer. Like you know she's the one when you say I do. Yep. You know if you said I do. Right. You are committed to this person as the one. That is true. You know. Yeah. And so t- that was a big part of my conviction. Right. I won't know if she's the one until yeah. I say I do. Right. And, and then she does become the one. And that was part of my belief. And of course there was that attraction and love for one another and that right. kind of thing too. But um, yeah, I think people could have made the case like you you could have taken your time more but we're like we asked the important questions we brought this to our pastors we brought this to our families and they're supportive and yeah she was in california i was in florida
Florida, and we did not want to stay long distance very That's, long, even with yeah. even with Skype at the time. Yeah, yeah. Um, and trying to sync up our Netflix to watch movies together. <laughs> <laughs> um, we're like, yeah. this is this is not fun. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, we made it and happen. It's, it's, it is different. I mean, I, I I would say if you didn't know each other at all, I mean, you know, like I think you know at least six months of knowing each other, but yeah. if not yeah. longer. But and then families being supportive and yeah. having people, uh, you know, I did ask a pastor who knew her, who mm, knew me. Mm, yeah. That was part of the council. We said, "What do you yeah. think?" You know, I'm, I'm thinking of asking her out before I asked her out. Actually, yeah. I mm. asked uh, first counsel from yeah. some people. Yeah. Just to, is there something I'm not seeing? You know, like, right? You know, just right. To give me, yeah. You know, so to get some thumbs up from people. Exactly. Yeah. Right? I think seeing their community does right. a lot. You have so to thumbs see them down in. doesn't always mean it's a no, but you have to really work through it a lot well, more. Yeah. Well, which is yeah. interesting because yeah. um, from my end, when she visited my <clears throat> church, Covenant Press, and my pastor then at the time and seminary friends, um, she got, a, I think, a good sense <clears throat> of my community and they were supported. But from her and her end of the community, her family was supported, but um, uh, her, her charismatic church and uh, the leaders there, some of them said to her, yeah, but, but he's not spirit-filled. He doesn't have oh. the... The Holy Spirit right. in him because he doesn't prophesy or speak in tongues. Right, right. So they were ob- objecting to our because because he's not of us right. of our persuasion right. and um, and that weighed on her conscience for some time. Okay, um, but God moved in interesting ways like her boss at work one day and her boss is a just a average evangelical probably baptistic i'm not sure yeah saw her looking a little down like hey Lynn, what's what's going on you look a little you know and she's she basically told him like yeah, i met this guy he's cool yeah but he's not spirit-filled and, and he was like wait what do you mean is he is he a christian is he a believer and she's like yeah yeah and he said well then he has the holy spirit yeah and she goes is that how that works that that took a load off her you know um and the other thing was because i also wanted to know whether this could work i sent her a sermon just to see how she would your sermon no no or or a sermon that would be very bold (laughs) that would be so i I didn't i didn't have i wasn't that gutsy Um, we might not be married if i did that yeah (laughs) it was a john piper sermon okay yeah and the i still remember like the title the title was so long it's like why the why prophecy the gift mm. of prophecy is not God's primary means of communicating to us. Okay. I'm like, okay, that's a pretty detailed, specific, yeah. to-the-point title. I sent it to her. And this is when I got back from my trip to, to visit, and I was in Orlando at the time. And I'm curious, just curious how she would respond to that. Okay. She, she later told me, she listened to it. At first, when she saw the title, super offended, mm. because that is the primary way right. that they hear from God at church. Yeah. Yeah. Um, they bring a fresh word yeah. every Sunday. Yeah. That's the preaching. Um, but she listened to the th- whole thing. And, and at, at the end of it, she said, this is something I've been needing and wanting for a long time. Mm. Where um, we're not always like trying to be raising our antenna and listening for some still small voice telling us to turn left or right. right. But God maturing us in our character, uh, renewing our minds. And familiarizing ourselves with his word to the point where we can discern right. what is the Lord's good and perfect will. Right. Um, and she's been hungering, yearning for that that kind of scriptural equipping for right. so long. And she's like, I want more of that. And when she responded that way, I was like, I okay. can work with that. Yeah. We don't have to be five-point Calvinists just yet, you know, right. right now. <laughs> yeah. But with that, just her humility 
her open submission to the word. I was like, I can work with this. Mm. So that's where it really opened the door for me. Um, and she's been going through her own reformation ever since. And at this point, I feel like sometimes I feel like she's more reformed than I am. <laughs> She'll correct me on things, you know, <laughs> like, don't you yeah. trust in the sovereignty of God and stuff like that. I'm like, uh, yes, I do. <laughs> Um, but yeah, that's that's a great story. Uh, yeah, and you know that that kind of way of thinking about prophecy and uh, God's word. Uh, it's uh, you know it, it could seem so powerful, you know, uh, but it's in the end it just leaves you. It it, it fails you. I think, she you know, said so. she said it this way. It, it if it's like eating fruits all the time, mm. but n- nothing else like carbs, yeah, protein. Right. Like, she felt like she didn't have a backbone. Okay. But she had a lot of kind of like nice comfy things yeah. surrounding her. But she didn't have like a solid back, but that's how yeah, she described it. If you it. actually believe that, that, you know, these people are speaking that kind of word to you, then, you know, no. the danger of falling into authoritarianism where you, you know, if you go against that word, you're going against God. And, you know, yeah, that's why she was so, so yeah. weighed down in her so, conscience. Yeah. Like if my leader's telling me right, then you shouldn't marry him, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, but anyway, um, I mean, uh, I know uh, we're here. the word spiritual abuse is a loaded term, you know, yeah. and I definitely would use that term with uh, qualifications and stuff. But um, sure, those are examples of spiritual yeah, abuse. Yeah, I, I don't think pastors yeah. should be in the business of telling people yeah. you, you shouldn't marry this or uh, that kind of person. Or I mean, unless they're like, even if it in, is in the case of being unequally yoked, I think um, I would say like we can advise against it. We can we can say this is the scriptures teaching on that but um we can't legislate like you know um what they do but i've I've had tough conversations like that actually with you know um previous members here where they they would come to me asking if i can do premarital and officiate for a wedding with a non-believer oh yeah i said i would i would give you premarital but i can't in good conscience Mm. bless your union right because not only does god's word teach us otherwise i don't think this will bless you the way that i think you know uh, god wants you to be blessed those those are probably i think some of the toughest conversations i've had yeah um by the way i i really i mean from what little i know about what you're doing with premarital counseling and uh pre-dating too right i think pre-engagement pre-engagement we'll be (laughs) pre-dating counseling them to date Friends. I'm interested. It's that, it's <laughs> dating people who are yeah. interested in each other. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't know. Yeah. So I, I think you, that's that's a really good thing that uh, I've heard you do, and um, that uh, to be guiding young people like through that process, and not just leave it up to them to do and make mistakes and and stuff like that. And so it's very much your involvement in, in guiding them through. I, I, I see that as a very good thing. So yeah. No yeah. thanks. I I've made mistakes myself. So so it's. Partly a part of what motivates me to want to counsel them and guide them, um, and I do tell them it's not the process isn't me giving people at the end of the sessions a thumbs up or down yeah. or anything like that. It's yeah. just here are the questions that I think two people should always be considering if they're considering engagement, and the decision is yours. Mm. But ask these questions because you could be busy going to movies and having dinners where you don't have these substantive conversations about future yeah. direction, right. about compatibility in, in terms of your spiritual lives and whatnot. Uh, family vision and things mm. like that. Okay, um, you should talk about these things and 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 not find out only after engagement. You know these substantial differences you have yeah, that might yeah. give you pause, but but address them proactively. And um, yeah, actually, our, a member of our church um, recently asked me to do pre-engagement yeah. <laughs> uh, counseling because yeah. they know y- your church did, did yeah. it, yeah. right? And so you know they had thought about asking you, but then he said, "I'll just have my pastor do it." Yeah, so, yeah. We, I've never done it. I've done 
pre-marriage counseling and right, so but right, it's right. like he wanted to actually go through it before they get engaged yeah. you know so yeah. which you know which which I, I would i would go over many of the similar things you know it's just oh you know maybe it's better to do at least the introductory parts of this yeah. you know as a pre-engagement you know yeah. so. I, I i think it's it's healthy when it becomes a culture like in the church to to receive that kind of counsel right right um and normalize it and so do members of your it. church have to get your blessing before they start no, dating? They don't. They don't. <laughs> Not at all. Not at all. You have my seal um, of approval. But I think <laughs> what they what, what newcomers find or new yeah. members find is, wow, most of the couples here have gone through this. Right. So maybe we should check it out and consider it. Yeah. That's how they kind of yeah. get into it, it at so this it point. It becomes part of your became culture. A culture. Yeah. 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 Initially, it was just kind of me announcing it every Sunday or so, just say, hey, yeah. if you guys want this, I'm happy to sit with yeah. you. And then when those couples got through it, got engaged, and and then got premarital, got married. Right. It just kind of became, mm-hmm. yeah, just something that people know about. Okay. Uh, I put these counseling literature out for people to pick up, and pre-engagement is one of those booklets, um, and it's one of the ones that go out the fastest. Okay. That I'm restocking. You would recommend the most. that, right? So I'll, I'll probably get. I think yeah, I have one. Pallison yeah. and yet yeah. uh, John Yanchko's mm-hmm. booklet and. Over the years, I've just kind of supplemented a little bit um, and maybe add a little bit about uh, parental things like relationship with our in-laws, parents, okay. that kind of stuff. But yeah. it's a really thorough, helpful booklet um, that I've used since, I don't know, a long time ago. Um, but um, I, I love how we digress into all sorts of wonderful things. <laughs> yeah. uh, this is great. Um, love the story about you and Gloria. Um, af- was it after Brown that you joined the PCA or? Yeah. So yeah. it was, you know, when I was at Brown, I would say by that time I was a very strong Calvinist, right? So, um, you know, I was listening to a lot of Piper, uh, mm. reading a lot of, uh, I wasn't as influenced by Tim Keller, but, you know, I, I used to read him uh, a little bit, but R.C. Sproul and Piper were probably the two biggest sure. influences for me yeah. that helped me develop a, a reformed mind. Yeah. But, but that issue of baptism mm. was the one that I wasn't quite sure on. Yeah. I was Presbyterian, mm. but, you know, I saw, sure. like, both sides. So sure. th- yeah. while I was at Brown, I was actually, like, if, you know, like, yeah. because we didn't have to, because there was no babies, right? Mm. It's college mm. ministry, mm. right? Mm. So I didn't have to deal with that issue until I had, I got married and had my own child, right? Then right. the first yeah. baptism exactly. I ever did was my firstborn. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I did it. I did. I had my child baptized because I knew that the right thing to do mm, as a Presbyterian mm, minister. I was mm, ordained Presbyterian, mm. <clears throat> but there was a nagging. What if the Baptists are right? Mm, mm. <laughs> you know, because uh, I knew enough about the argument, and yeah. you know, I yeah. love John Piper and so forth. That's actually why I said I need to see John Piper's church. Yeah. Okay. Not just I've heard him preach through tapes, and you know, I used to get cassette tapes, tapes at that time. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, literally, I was part of, there was a ministry wow. before Desiring God became an institution. There were a couple of people in, in their church that would record and yeah. put the stickers on the cassette yeah. tapes yeah. and mail them out. I was part of that. I, I would donate, you know. <laughs> wow. It cost like, you know, it was like whatever you could afford, right? Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. you know, basically, you know, yeah. they recommend like $3 a tape or whatever. But uh, yeah. uh, Love it. so I, I would subscribe and get his sermon tapes yeah. right and so i there was a time I, I haven't read a lot of john and john piper is less of an influence now today i would mm-hmm. say mm-hmm. than uh he was back yeah. back in the 90s mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. but in the in the 90s yeah i mean i wanted to be like john piper mm-hmm. like i mean mm-hmm. that was my model of ministry mm-hmm. uh, edwardsian theology and mm-hmm. so the it's heart passion yeah. right that there was a passion there it wasn't just heady yeah but it was uh, yeah. it was god-centered bible-centered yeah. and so um mm-hmm. i was heavily influenced by him mm. 
but um, but then as I was doing more church, the issues, you know, the secondary issues, hmm. like if you say primary issues of Calvinistic soteriology, you know, five points, five solas, uh, you know, those are the major. I had yeah. those. Yeah. But then the secondary issues, like baptism, sacraments, right. Yeah. right? These are considered secondary. But when it comes to church life, I would say they become primary yeah. in the life of a church yeah. to the degree that if you differ on this, you can't do church together, right? right? So yeah. they're primary. So they're not secondary, unimportant. They're, when it comes to functioning as a church, like church government, yeah. views on sacraments, yeah. <clears throat> these determine how you do church. Yes. Yeah. So, and the more I thought about church membership, church life, uh, as I was I started a campus work, but then I was like, wow, this is, we need to be a church. We need, because how are these kids, they can get like, if, if, if it's after campus group, if they don't have church, yeah. they're not going to survive. Yeah. Right? So I realized just the, the importance of church. Mm. And so I like the fact our campus ministry was a church-based campus ministry. Mm. And that's when I started to understand like, oh, wow, like I've become a strong Calvinist. I have no idea what a church is, mm. you know, which is like, I, I have no ecclesiology. ecclesiology yeah. You know, I had mm. my background as a Korean, you know, American as a uh, pastor's kid. Yeah. And, you know, I saw with the Korean church, but like, I was like, man, I don't know where to begin thinking mm. about it. So I, mm. I started to read up a lot on church, mm. you know, what the church is and so forth. And um, yeah. And I remember having a conversation with Steve Park, you know, the guy from, I don't know if you know, Steve Park from Jubilee in Church. Philadelphia? In Philadelphia. Yeah. yeah. Professor. Yeah, pa- pastor. Our senior pastor's from there. Yeah. Pastor Cho. He was, your from... senior pastor was his uh, assistant. assistant. Yeah, yeah. 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 So, but anyway, so I remember at one pastor's conference, we had had a like wonderful discussion and he asked me this question what is the most pressing issue in the Korean American ministry hmm. and as I was thinking about it I said the lack of ecclesiology hmm. and this is way back in the like maybe mid mid 90s wow you know because we're all about ministry retreats yeah. conferences trying to yeah. you know the silent exodus you know like hmm. social and yes. whenever you even study about church it's like sociology more than any theology of the church hmm. Hmm. and so hmm. and I remember being really affirmed by him huh. <laughs> and he goes I agree with you. <laughs> like so, I, I had great respect. I still have great respect for Steve Park. Uh, but like, wow! So he's actually your senior. Like, yeah, I think he's two years older than me. He's like Bill Sims' age, right? So Bill Sim is okay. two years older than me. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. So so still close, but still yeah. like kind of so, slightly more. Yeah, but he's more like my sisters, my oldest sister. I have two older sisters, and so he's gotcha. closer to okay. my... Yeah. It's cool to hear just that that, that there's someone in the PCA that you've been influenced by who's Korean. Because <laughs> uh, yeah. I only hear about people oh, who yeah. have and, uh, been the, under your care. I would say uh, I, I would be the first wave of like, even though I was, you know, I'm not technically a second gen because I came when I was seven. But that's, a, that's second gen. But I consider if your schooling is all in the United States, you know, I would say around five to seven, you know, huh. if you're if you're you know like eight nine, mid, you, you you still have a very strong Korean influence, right? Sure. If you're second gen, born in the United States, but you have Korean parents, mm-hmm. first five years, it's like living in Korea because like there's some kids who take ESL having been born in the United States, yes, but they don't speak English in that the home. That was kind of my case, right? I, I, I did do uh, like a semester yeah. of ESL so when I first came. So I would say seven is like pretty close to being second gen, yeah. you know, even though it could be, you know, I'm technically 1.25. <laughs> yeah. 
not 1.5, you know. But um, anyway, so like the English ministry before me, the、mm. the true pioneers. There were two waves of the pioneers. First wave is the Korean pastors、mm. who can speak fluent English.、Mm. They were first gen, spoke fluent English, and had a burden for the second for the next generation of pastors.、Mm. Right? There are people like、uh, I know their Korean names, Kim Sangbok Musanim, David Kim,、mm. you know, from Bethel Church in in. In Maryland,、okay. you know, he founded Bethel Church.、Mm-hmm. Mark Kim, who was、uh, part of the Alliance Church in Chicago area,、mm-hmm. and there was another person in, in California,、uh, uh, Reverend Park, somebody I don't know him、mm-hmm. too well. But、mm-hmm. these were senior pastors, very well respected, with doing great Korean ministries,、mm-hmm. but who had a heart for the next generation.、Mm-hmm. Who actually, I would say, they are the true pioneers of paving the way for the, the next first wave of leaders. Were 1.5,、mm-hmm. you know, like my oldest sister. You know, would be part. Steve Park would be like that. I think he's、mm. more like. I mean, more、yeah. like he's more like 1.5.、Yeah. <clears throat> so there was a, a bunch of people like that who、mm. were. Th- they spoke fluent in Korean, and you know, they were、yeah. educated in the United States. Yeah. yeah. So、um, or Canada, but、um, and so I, I would be part of the first sort of first wave of more. English speaking,、mm-hmm. you know, where we didn't speak Korean that、mm-hmm. well, you know. So that was,、uh, I would say, you know, I started doing youth ministry. I started seminary in 1986. So there were things like in this in 1978. You know, this is a little bit of Korean church history, but like、mm-hmm. like 1978, my father, who was、uh, who founded the first Korean church of New Jersey,、mm-hmm. he mobilized pastors in New York, Philadelphia, and they started what was Goshen Base in Korea, but he、mm-hmm. made it more broad,、mm-hmm. called SFC. Student for Christ movement、yeah. retreat. Yeah, that happened in 1978. That was the first one. Wow! And I was in high school during that time. And so those movements, you know, they used there used to be like 500 people. You know,、wow. like a lot of kids.、Mm. You know, big retreats.、Mm. You know, gang gang members would come to those and stuff too, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, the good,、yeah. you know, church kids, and then you had the gangsters that would come because it's a social <laughs> event. So it was it was crazy. I could,、yeah. you know, there was a lot of wildness during those things,、mm. and so those laid the groundwork、mm. for a new generation of leaders to rise up. And then there were other retreats as well, other movements,、sure. yeah. you know. But I would say that was one of the earlier ones, Student、mm-hmm. for Christ,、mm-hmm. you know, and. In '78, it was started as you know, like I'll speak in a little Korean, like Queens Changnogyoe, Queens、yeah. Haningyoe. Yeah. You know, the Korean Church of Queens, the Korean Presbyterian Church of Queens were two of the biggest church in、mm-hmm. uh, in New York.、Mm-hmm. The senior pastors, the founding pastors, were friends with my dad.、Mm. And then in Philadelphia, like there's a Korean Presbyterian First Korean Presbyterian Church in um, um, in Philadelphia.、Mm-hmm. Uh, my he was my dad's friend. So the, these basically founding pastors,、yeah. we got to do something for the <laughs> Next generation,、mm. and they、mm. they pave the way、mm. uh, for uh, the next generation.、Mm. And so the you know so then in in the beginning it was always like high school ministry,、mm. the youth group, and then in the early eighties it was like college group,、mm. and then、mm. sort of mid eighties you know like there's like young adults,、mm-hmm. you know so there's、mm-hmm. like this movement of like、yeah. uh, you know what's the what's the cutting edge, yeah you know yeah, and so、um, now it's like you know now we we have like like if you think about myself as like I'm. I'm actually part of that generation. Like,、mm. if if、uh, if you have a fully matured English ministry, yeah. 
they're like my age, mm. you know, like late 50s, early 60s, mm. you know, mm. uh, because, it, you know, with, I mean, there are a few people who came before 1970, but like, yeah. you don't have like people who were born in the 50s, right. right? Right. So it's really more people who were born in 60s, yeah. you know, to mid 60s. Mm. That's sort of the first wave of the English ministry, mm, mm, mm. you know? Yeah. And so I consider myself having grown up yeah. in this wave, you yeah. know, and um, seeing different models, mm. you know, of where the focus was. And interesting thing is that whatever age the elders' kids was, Mm -hmm. that's where the church really focused. Hmm. Mm. You know? (laughs) I mean, it's, yeah. I mean, it's sort of how it goes, right? So sure. the leaders have a certain desire to see yeah. a youth ministry because their right. their kids are in youth ministry or right. college ministry and so forth. And right, so, right. so in many ways, like the development of as as even the first generation, their kids yeah. start to age. Their concern for those ministries. Yeah. So it, it was both. It was that was the cultural situation, but that was their life situation mm-hmm. that made it more. There was more yeah. at stake, right? If you're, you know, you can care for stuff, but if you're you're personally involved in it, your kids are involved in it, you definitely have much more concern for that type of ministry. You know, like you might have no concern for youth college ministry until like kids (laughs) are ready to go to college, right? Hopefully not at the neglect of others (coughs) too much, but yeah. Right, right. So... (laughs) But that's that's been sort of the uh, the pattern mm. uh, that I've seen in the Korean church. Sure, yeah. sure, sure. Yeah. yeah. So so your interaction with Steve Park was that because was he in the PC at the because he's no, not he's in KAPC. KAPC, yeah. right? So you had exposure to different Presbyterian. Yeah. You had options. Yeah. Why PCA? Yeah. So there was a time, um, you know, even after joining the PCA, there was um, <clears throat> when, you know, I, I had great respect for C. Park. He invited me to KAPC when they started their English uh, Presbytery. Mm. It's called North mm. American Presbytery. Huh. They have an East version, the West version I now, see. East Coast, West Coast. Yeah. But um, they invited me to one when they had it in California, mm. you know, and yeah, it was awesome. It was like, you know, great fellowship, yeah. uh, you know, like we all like similar backgrounds. Yeah. However, and a similar thing was tried or considered, you know, like during Henry Coe's EM pastor conferences, mm-hmm. there was some debates about this, about whether hmm. the Korean presbytery should develop an English-speaking presbytery of Koreans. Hmm. Even though that can be appealing on a social, cultural level, you know, hey, finally right. a place where we can belong uh-huh. or something like that. Mm-hmm. I just, it didn't fit with my, my understanding of what Presbyterianism, you I know, mm-hmm. and what it means to be the church that, uh, you know, that would be more not a language Presbytery, it's an affinity Presbytery. And that Presbytery by nature is not supposed to go more narrow, but mm. more broad, mm. you know, um, you know, the wider body of Christ. And mm. uh, as much as that, so that's where I, I went the road of, you know, let's keep this Presbyterian system, mm. but then within it, let's find networks, mm. you know, uh, fellowships, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. right? So the EM forum was developed out of that where, I see. you know, like what to be together, to have accountability or yeah. encouragement, you know, yeah, more yeah, encouragement yeah. than accountability, but yeah. to, to have that encouragement, mm. you know, we don't have to start a Presbytery for it, okay. right? And in the, by starting a Presbytery, there's a whole other issues gets raised up, mm. you know? Mm, mm, mm. Like if you're just doing it for fellowship. Right. 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 And so, yeah. and that's where I, I, my personal conviction is even though like, you know, I can see why, you know, uh, those, those kind of presbyteries can function well. And I, there's some, some parts of it I do envy, you know, sure. but mm. uh, I, 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 it's my personal conviction that, um, 
if I'm a good presbyter, it, I shouldn't just be joining presbyteries because I, I, I like it, mm. you know? Like, uh, for instance, when I, when I first came down to Atlanta, I was part of the North Georgia Presbytery and later on Met- Metro Atlanta Presbytery. Okay. And so I was part of the Anglo Presbytery. I joined the PCA through an Anglo Presbytery in Maryland. And uh, gotcha. <clears throat> so I could have stayed, mm. Mm. you know? And when I left the church and I was at Shalom Church as an English ministry pastor, mm. Um, I could have stayed in an Anglo Presbytery and just served out of bounds in a Korean church. But my understanding of Presbytery is, if, unless this is a temporary thing, mm-hmm. you know, yep. that I'm going to be gone in a, a year or so, yeah, yeah. Like if, if there's no, I should be a member of the Presbytery of my local church. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, I know there are exceptional cases and stuff, but that's what I believe what a Presbytery is. Mm-hmm. It's for the health of the minister yeah. and the church. Yeah, yeah. And so, right. you know, yeah. So, uh, um, do I believe PCA is without flaws or perfect or better than everything else? I mean, I don't, I don't necessarily, it's maybe not. better than everything else. <laughs> you know, uh-huh. it's better than other options for me anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, um, yeah. you know, it's, we, we have our issues, but yeah. it's, it's, you know, I've chosen this as my family, yeah. you know, and, yeah. uh, you know, I, we just, I love the we PCA. just reached the 50 year mark. Yeah. Right. Um, and, and, and that's pretty, I mean, that's substantial. Um, that's half a century. Um, so you have a certain, I think that's enough to look back and see a certain track record and certain, you have a history kind of. Yeah. And when, so when you, and I know you're big on history. Yeah. I think it's one of the things that I learn a lot from you when I converse with you is just, you, you bring a historical vantage point to things. When you look at the history of the PCA, um, for you, what are, what are, I'm curious to hear what you're kind of most thankful for rejoicing over, uh, in the past 50 yeah, years yeah. Yeah. Um, I think I, when I think about the PCA, I mean, uh, you know, obviously, uh, I've been a member of the PCA since 2004, right? So that's next year will be 20 years in the <laughs> PCA. <laughs> and I, uh, there was a few years I, you know, my church couldn't support me to the general assembly. And <laughs> so, mm. uh, there was probably about five years that I did not go to the GA, but I've been to about 14 or 15 general assemblies, wow. you know, nice. uh, and definitely the last, uh, the last 11 I've been to. Wow. Right? So, um, yeah, so I'm a PCA man. Yeah. Uh, but like when I think about the PCA, I, you know, it's, it's um, the people that are in the PCA, like the ministers particularly, um, I've gotten an appreciation for ruling elders through the General Assembly. But yes. I think if, if I were to, you know, say like like some of the people you mentioned, you know, Francis Schaefer, Tim yeah. Keller, there's R.C. Sproul, you know, there's yeah. guys like a guy I love, Phil Reichen, you know, yeah. and, and one one time Skip Ryan was a huge he's, influence He's the in president at Wheaton? Or, yeah. Right? He's, he was at 10th Press, 10th Press in yeah. Philly and then he's president of Wheaton and his book the City on a Hill you know mm. at one time I was using that as my philosophy of ministry mm. you know it's mm. like I love that book you cool. know um, and and many others mm. right uh, unknown ones they're great ruling yes. elders yeah. you know yeah. and uh, so I am like yeah this is my camp mm. uh, you know mm. The, mm. this is yeah we, we have issues um, you know we have um, breath maybe some things that I would like us to be more clear about mm. but that breath is uh, a beautiful breath too you know includes uh, people who are agreeing on a lot of things, but, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know, there's some room, yeah. which uh, I think in, in an odd way for the minorities, that room is uh, is, is helpful, right? Mm. If you're too narrow, as much as you say you want minorities, yeah. you, you're probably not going to have a lot of yeah. minorities if yeah. you're too narrow. Yeah. Um, the, the One of my concerns is that, like, if, if PCA is seen as being, like, more progressive or there's mm. issues, like, whether it's on the progressive end or fundamentalist mm. end, mm. you know, some people think it's become 
becoming more fundamentalist. Some people think it's becoming more progressive. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's like it's weird. It's yeah. like on both ends. Yes. Um, I I would say one of my concerns is that like progressivism being linked with diversity.、Mm. You know,、mm. like that's what it was when I was in college. You、mm. know,、mm. oh, what is progressivism? Diversity.、Mm. You have diverse views, diversity of、mm. ethnicities, mm. Mm. and so. But like, and so as an ethnic person, as part of that diversity,、mm-hmm. there was always the pressure to embrace liberal thought.、Mm. You know, because liberal thought is creates the broadness, breadth, which includes ethnic diversity, right? <laughs> But like. And for me, I was like, no, <laughs> mm, mm. no, and yes, you know, yes, diversity mm. of people, mm, mm. but no, you know, this ideology of diversity、mm. that where there's no convictions, there's no core、mm. beliefs, there's、mm. no orthodoxy, there's no straight,、mm-hmm. you know, there's no ninety degrees,、mm. you know,、mm. everything's a slanted angle,、mm. you know, that's that's my thing、mm-hmm. from my my history. It's like、yeah. yes to diversity in one way,、uh-huh. no to diversity in another way,、mm. and I, I I would say in the PCA. This is going to be a challenge、mm. for us that we either become too narrow,、mm. we say no to diversity and become、mm-hmm. so narrow,、mm-hmm. or we say yes to diversity without any parameters and we、mm-hmm. become way too broad. Mm-hmm. 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 And so it's not quite sure where we're going to land. You know,、mm-hmm. you know, some people think it's being pulled more one way than the other. Yeah, yeah. But, <clears throat> but I, w- I would say for myself, that's been a great concern of mine. So、mm, yeah, how to deal with racial issues without,、sure. you know, buying into all the, you know, the equity issues. Of、okay. you know of the modern times,、okay. you know, and so、okay. forth. You know, yeah, yeah. Like how to speak about black and white racial reconciliation without、yeah. feeling like you're. Upholding Black Lives Matter, CRT, right, all that, and then so, and then the so that that's、yeah. actually a personal area of great concern for me、okay. of、uh, how, where we are, in the, yeah, because you know. so my, maybe a, a, qu- a quick question about that、um, because when I when I look at this. Um, debate, if you will.、Um, I, I see it as there's still being a lot of like central like unity、mm-hmm. when it comes to our central doctrine and what we subscribe to in terms of a confession. And to me, the debate is on how to be missional. That's how I see it. Right. Is because because when you're on the the front lines of a mission field,、right. whatever that field is, I feel like there's a certain edginess you bring to it. Like there's、yeah. a certain、um, you're pioneering some new language, perhaps you're speaking into an evolving culture. And so when it in, when it comes to the missional context, there may be some, and maybe this because I grew up as an MK, but there's a certain allowance for exploring that a bit more in a way that doesn't necessarily compromise what's at the core. Yeah, and and this is that that's the that's a great way of looking at it. I mean, I think you you look at it in the right way the question, but that's historically that's always the thing, right? Like for instance,、mm-hmm. I went to Napark as a representative of the PCA recently in November, and.、Um, You know, these are very conservative,、mm-hmm. way more conservative than the PCA in Napark. PCA is considered liberal, <laughs> you know, in the PCA in the, in Napark.、Uh, but they're all asking the question about what's what about our next generation? You、yeah. know, what about our culture? Yeah, I mean, not so much as culture, but definitely like what about our、yeah. children, right? Yeah. yeah. So how do we reach the next generation? How do we、um, instill our、mm-hmm. values,、mm-hmm. our theology?、Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, so great questions <laughs> and needed necessary questions. And、yeah. like you know, how do we reach an unreached you know people's group and missions and、yeah. you know whether missions or in our culture? Yeah. Like, but、uh, there there need 
needed questions, necessary questions, but like it's, uh, you know, obviously you don't want to be so careful that you can't reach anybody, right? That, that's right. been, yeah. but then yeah. I, I've seen historically too, like how right. those good questions, I mean, that, that's the whole idea of my, my time in Princeton. It's like liberals ask good questions, hmm. you know, they end up formulating terrible answers, hmm. you know, what could start off as a good question I'm, I'm okay with the question, but like, mm-hmm. okay, let's be careful about our formulations, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know, because you might give up more than you think, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. in order to, you know, like Bill Hybels, like, we want to reach people, we want to reach uh-huh. the unreached, and uh-huh, then uh-huh. he's like, okay, forget the regular principle, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. forget, uh, mm-hmm. let's find a new way to do church, you know, mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. we got a whole mess of generation, it's like, they are sort of de-churched by mm-hmm. doing a new way, and even in the Korean American context, if you think about it, try to reach the young people, mm-hmm. we need to have a youth worship. Mm. So I, I believe in the Korean American ministry, we've so compartmentalized people mm-hmm. that people do not know how to worship with someone different than themselves. Yeah. We're trained like that way. Mm. You know, and it's not just our context. You can say that of other churches yeah. as well. But yeah. like why is covenantal worship multi-generational and even having multi-ethnic type of worship? Mm. Why is that so hard? Mm-hmm. You know, it's hard because it's it's just hard when you have crying babies, practically things like mm-hmm. that. But mm-hmm. I think what makes it really hard in our context is that we were all trained mm-hmm. in compartmentalized church yeah, you know yeah, for sure. and so uh, what started out as a good thing what should we do about youth group mm-hmm. how do we reach college students yeah you know I, I think it's like we have to ask those questions and but be very thorough about how we formulate answers yeah, you know yeah, yeah. and models yeah and um, yeah yeah sure so that's all that's all I'm saying you yeah know, that, for sure, uh, sure. Uh, I, like, and I appreciate yeah. your and we've had conversations before where you know we because we we also also lands somewhere somewhat different places in the spectrum of PCA guys but I really appreciate just the because I don't have the historical knowledge that you have and the, the I think the sensitivity you have to that I think is not only like helpful I think it's necessary to keep our denomination grounded with minds like yours so I, I do so when I hear whenever I hear guys like Kevin DeYoung I feel like I get that from yeah. him you know yeah. I, I, you're like the Korean Kevin DeYoung yeah. to me <laughs> I forgot to mention him he's someone I yeah I resonate with yeah, a lot. I, yeah, and, so. uh, and I take, I'm taking courses right now where he's teaching uh, yeah. for my counseling program too. And so he's someone I also respect a ton. Yeah. Um, and I think he he brings a certain anchoring to the, the denomination that I appreciate. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm also at the same time looking at um, the need for so 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 he would bring maybe the needed reform maybe more so on the that's needed on the left of the PCA, right? Mm. What I appreciated about Tim Keller a lot was I think he also brought a certain amount of reform that's needed on the right um, because reformation is needed on all sides in every church. I agree with you. Yeah, I, I agree with you. And, and, and that's why, you know, even for myself, you know, it's a little different, but going back to the Baptist debate, I yeah. I tell my Reformed Baptist friends, I mean, I don't tell them they're wrong as much as hey, we need each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, you keep me from having a presumptuous faith, presuming upon my infant baptism, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, and emphasizing the necessity of faith, personal yeah. faith, which yeah. is biblical. Yeah. I, but you need me too, because, you know, you know, you, I, you know, talking to Presbyterians, you know, mm-hmm. will keep you from becoming overly individualistic yeah, or and too decisional. And, right, yeah. and um, that you will miss the, you know, you might not agree with where it ends up, but this idea of God's covenant care, yeah, His grace, beyond, yeah. you know, and, and the importance of the role of the family and the church in the life of faith, and yeah. there's a lot of things that are in that balance, you know. Yeah. And so, like even yeah. even people who I might disagree with, I mean, <coughs> my thing is not not to, hey, let's get them out of the PCA or something like that. <laughs> 
Yeah. It's more uh, like, I just want to know like how they're thinking and like, yeah. uh, you know, some of the pushback we need because, you know, we might be stuck in traditionalism mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. old mm-hmm. way of doing things or mm-hmm. too, too Southern or something. Mm-hmm. And we need people to push the boundaries somewhat, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. without kind of selling the farm. Right. 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 So yeah, yeah. I, I read Randy Pope's interview on By Faith uh, for the fifth years uh, year thing. <coughs> That's on my to read list. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, really yeah. enjoyed it because yeah. I think with Randy Pope, what I appreciate about him is he's so single minded about evangelism and discipleship. Yeah. And yeah. he was just very simple, straightforward, saying we still gotta be ultimately about be about seeking and saving the lost. Yeah. You know, with the gospel. Yeah. That calls people to statements like, um, you know. I acknowledge that I, I am a sinner in need of God's sovereign mercy. Yeah. You know, that's my only hope or um, that I must receive and rest upon Christ alone for my salvation. To make those vows is our ultimate goal. That, yeah. That's our mission. And yeah. I'm really okay with how our ministers get them there as long as yeah. that's where they arrive. You know, these people are coming to repentance in the gospel and saying, apart, save from God's sovereign mercy, I'm without hope. Yeah. My sins are deserving of God's displeasure. I mean, these are things that only I think a truly repentant heart can honestly say and I'm, I'm yeah I'm okay with yeah. I'm generally okay with how they get them there as long as they get them there <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah uh, you know uh, I think that there there are you know people ask different kinds of issues right like for instance like um, uh, you know I, I would like to hear a little bit more because my exposure because of my background I'm coming from more liberal side yes. and then embracing more conservative so people yeah. might think oh you know like from my background like oh you must be a liberal which would be completely false but then people might see some of my current stances on things saying, oh you're like this fundamentalist conservative or something <laughs> uh-huh. and I don't they might be partly right but that would not they, you know I think yeah. hopefully some of the background I, I shared mm-hmm. that would not be right either like right. I, yeah. I would not want to be linked with the sort of the fundamental fundamentalist side of the PCA or something. More the, I mean, there's some hints of maybe even nationalistic kind of sentiments on the far, very far, right, that I think majority of the PCA distance themselves from, even if they are more, even if they are TR or whatever that might be. Right, right. And and there's Um, a mixture. I mean, you know, you have So that's where some of my progressive friends, so-called progressive, would want more clarity on. Yeah. Whereas I have my more conservative friends who want more clarity on issues on sexuality and whatnot, right? I have my more... Yeah. The way I look at it is, you know, that group, you, you can say with what's happening in our culture and politics with sure. you know, Trumpism or something like it's yeah. it's kind of coming to more, you know, yeah. more. But I don't think it's coming to more in the PCA. I mean, mm. I might be wrong. I would like to hear like people who are concerned about, you know, yeah. let's say I've heard things like, oh, there's a, I've heard people say there's a growing progressivism. I personally do see that, mm. you know, mm. that there is elements of that. Mm. Uh, when some people say there's a growing fundamentalism, mm. I kind of know what they mean, but I don't specifically know what they mean. Hmm. You know, like I haven't heard that outright and maybe I need to, you know, get more examples of it. But, uh, sure. you know, or is is there anything different where PCA, maybe you can say PCA was always like that, right? But is that a change in the PCA or is that something that has always been part of the PCA being a Southern denomination and, you know, the Southern yeah. sensibilities and stuff right. like that, right? So right. so for me, like I, I knew what PCA was coming into it. You know, it's a Southern mm-hmm. denomination, mm-hmm. right? Uh, it was born out of the South and mm-hmm. uh, it still retains a lot of that. Even though we're mm-hmm. national, mm-hmm. we're still very much very heavily southern mm-hmm. culture influence mm-hmm. which i yeah. i don't disdain it 
Yeah. Uh, I think, you know, one, one of my journeys to the South was, I think um, when I first was considering coming to the South, you mm -hmm. know, I told you I was a Northeast guy. I mm -hmm. couldn't, mm -hmm. didn't like California. And yeah. when yeah. I first considered coming to Atlanta, I, I thought, no, this is not a good fit. Mm -hmm. I'm, a nor I'm a Yankee. I'm a, a Northeast <laughs> guy. I'm a, you know, I, I have like yeah. New England sensibilities. Yeah. And, and, uh, yeah. and so mm -hmm. I did not think I would fit in the South. Mm -hmm. But then like I started to think a little more and mm -hmm. like, wow, you know what? I'm prejudiced. <laughs> I have a prejudice against the Southerners. Mm, mm, mm. You know, I think they're all racist or, you know, they're mm. backwards or whatever. And, mm. and so I realized I had to repent. Like, mm, I was like, mm. Lord, I, you know, let me look at yeah. the South, like yeah. people, <laughs> yeah, yeah, right? And yeah. not caricature them. And then yeah. I was like, wow, th this is a great opportunity to move to Atlanta or, you know, sure, sure. For, as a Korean American. Yeah. And so I started to see the beauty of uh, yeah. even, you know, you know, not everything, you know, obviously it's a mixed mixture in sure. every culture, but, yeah. you know, I start to see some of the beauty of, of yeah. Southern culture and, and yeah. even even the, um, you know, some of the things which I thought were yeah. bad. I mean, it's, I start to appreciate, uh, sure. you know, that it's a, you know, yeah. I, I don't want, want to say I start to appreciate the, the negative history of the South, but it's just, right. you know, it's it's not like that, you know, the it's South not is not. as the caricatures what, make it seem out yeah, yeah, what the average Northerner thinks of the South, yeah. you know, and so I, I realize actually, uh, Northerners are more prejudicial than any Southerner I've met, you know? Mm -hmm. So I yeah. personally, my own experience of racism, yeah. I got more racism in inner city, Jersey City, mm -hmm. and New England mm -hmm. than I did um, uh -huh. did in the South. Yeah, yeah. You yeah, know? Yeah. I, I see some parallel in how the Korean Presbytery is viewed. Because yeah. um, I'm, I'm also someone coming into this Korean church, immigrant church context with some prejudice about the Korean church yeah. and about the... About first-generation pastors. Um, and I would say, you know, having joined this presbytery, I think 10 years ago as an undercare um, and licensed and ordained and serving here, I love our presbytery. Uh, I think they're great men here, uh, great brothers I admire, um, respect, love to be in fellowship with, who are not just in the EM side, but also in the KM side too. Um, and, and of course, and I'm sure you would agree, at the same time, like we see the need for reform. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. The need yeah. for reform that sometimes comes with the Korean culture. Like sometimes there are aspects of our Korean culture that requires more gospel application and reformation, yeah. um, whether it's uh, the, the, the ecclesiology, understanding of the role of the pastor, senior pastor, and the relationship to the ruling elders, uh, membership, whatever it may be. And um, we, just as like, we have to be the folks who are kind of most vocal about that, yeah. like both, what's yeah. praiseworthy, also what needs reform. I think we as folks in the South, yeah. who, who may understand that Southern right. cultural sentiment best in right. the PCA, I think we also have a certain responsibility to not only highlight what's great, what's beautiful, but also what needs to change, what needs right. to reform, right? I agree with that. So I don't want to overstate that, oh yeah, I, I yeah. love the South and everything. You know, <laughs> I, I, I still, yeah. after 18 and the a half years- The barbecue's great. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, no, I, so. I, I would, I, I still, you know, would not consider myself a Southerner, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. I, I've come to, it's been great for my family, you know, I, I, yeah. I do love living here, but um, yeah. Um, yeah, me too. <clears throat> in my thinking, I, I, I am not a Southerner, um, but uh, I just, what I'm saying is not that I don't see any areas to right. reform or right. change or things like that, but it's like, um, it should, it should be, there should be a lot more mutuality, right? Yes. Okay. You know, hey, we all have to change. Yes. I see this in you. Yeah. You know, you, you have a spec, I have a spec or log. Yes. Or, 
Yeah. And uh, yeah. so definitely not to come patronistically, because I think yeah. a lot of Northerners, we definitely mm. are the ones with the log in our eye sometimes, you mm. know, trying to take a speck out. Mm. You know, mm. uh, you know, there was a time where there was huge logs and, mm. you know, with racism, you know, mm-hmm. in the mm-hmm. South, mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I, yeah. I don't think I, I'm sure there is pockets of that, you know, still and, and residuals of that. But yeah. I, yeah. I think for my experience in, yeah. in Southern PCA, yeah. I, I have not experienced that aspect uh, at all, you know, and I think okay. if I have, it's, you know, I don't know if it's, um, yeah. You don't know if it's a, a bigger pattern. Or I mean, a, there's a ignorance, you know, like, you know, there's, some... they don't know about certain things, you know, there's <clears throat> ignorance, yes, but I mean, animus, you yeah. know, like animus, no, like, uh, yeah. like, you know, when I was up in co- college in New England, you know, like there was one time, you know, some white kid, you know, out of a car threw mm-hmm. like a, mm-hmm. you know, a cup of beer at, mm-hmm. you know, saying, mm-hmm. go back to China or something yeah, like that. Yeah, I can't remember yeah. exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Said, no, I mean, something, California, something yeah. my, you know? my nickname was Jackie Chan at, yeah. at some point. So that's, yeah. that's California. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I, I get what you're saying. Um, it's, it's kind of, I, I think, yeah, maybe sometimes the South and the culture here gets a bad, bad name. And, um, but yeah, we, we, we know of, uh, lots of wonderful people here. Um, and I'm sure you're at the headquarter, the PCA headquarter here, and I'm yeah. sure you also see the the leaders, leadership more behind the scenes and what they're really like, and they represent us, and so I'm sure you also get more of a firsthand yeah. experience yeah. with I mean, that. You know? Yeah, it's just you know, again, I mean, no, no one's perfect and stuff, but uh, just the the leaders that I've met in every agencies, yeah. and we don't, we're not all of the same mindset, but like mm-hmm. there's a congen- congeniality and a friendliness yeah. and uh, openness that um, makes me very optimistic, and yeah. I, I know that there are things that there's a lot of concerns about the future of the PCA right mm-hmm, now, mm-hmm. Uh, you know, whether we're going to survive or things like that. But I, I think um, uh, I have concerns too, but I have, um, you know, a lot of hope, you know, that we're yeah. going to navigate through this in, yeah. in a good way. Yeah. So it's great. It's yeah. great. Um, we have to get the word out there about the EM. Forum. Oh yeah. Yeah. So, <laughs> so the next EM forum is coming up in February. Yeah. And maybe you can give me a clip of this, 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 uh, this yeah. discussion. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So the EM forum, um, you know, it's been going on since 2012. Uh, it started out as, uh, you know, sort of a piggyback of the CKC, so CKC, a Coalition of Korean Churches, an annual meeting for mm-hmm. Korean ministers mm-hmm, in the mm-hmm, PCA, mm-hmm. mostly Korean speaking. Right. And so in 2012, they asked me uh, to lead an English speaking portion of that conference. Yeah. And so that that was sort of the birth of the mm-hmm. EM Forum. And mm-hmm. then 2016, I believe, is when we kind of, I asked if we can be separate because, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, sort of come out of the, under the wing of the CKC. And so with yeah. the support of many of the uh, committees and agencies, uh, we started EM forum as something separate from CKC mm. and funded by different agencies and committees of, mm-hmm. uh, of the PCA. Mm-hmm. Um, so I work part-time for the administrative committee. And mm-hmm. so I asked mm-hmm. our committee if I could sort of use this as part of my job yeah. as well. And so yeah. it's sort of the work of our office uh, through that. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. Um, but um, it's an annual conference for pastors and leaders. Mm-hmm. It's PCA, but it's I call it PCA and friends. So mm-hmm. PCA provides sort of the okay. boundary, but we do have uh, a few uh, non PCA people yeah. that come. Yeah. <clears throat> so maybe there was about a, uh, eight or nine uh, non-PCA people last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had about uh, you know fifty or so PCA pastors. Mm-hmm. Some of them are, most of them are teaching elders. Some mm-hmm. are licentiates or undercare mm-hmm. or you know thinking about joining the PCA. Yeah. Um, yeah so we, we're going to have the PCA EM forum on February sixth through the eighth in this spot. <laughs> yes. At NCA, New Church of Atlanta. Yes. 
and uh, John Kim. He's going to be one of the hosts. Yeah, and, looking forward to it. Yeah. Yeah. And the theme is uh, hope for pastors. Mm. And so we, we do have non-pastors coming as well. This mm-hmm. year, we have some ruling elders from Chicago area. Uh, actually, nice. CFC is sending two of its ruling elders okay. uh, here, KJ, and mm. two of his ruling elders and a seminary intern. I think mm. it's coming. Mm. Uh, we're going to have um, probably a, a, one or two elders from my church. Mm-hmm. We have uh, Jason Kang, who's a ruling elder. So nice. yeah. I'm actually hoping for some ruling elders to come. Yeah, yeah, that's great. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's great. Tony. Hey, man. <laughs> hey, we're just finishing up. Uh, uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so we're having this conference. Uh, it's the theme is hope, hope for pastors. And I was explaining to my ruling elder mm. that how does elders fit into hope for pastors as a theme? Mm. And I could change it to hope for pastors and leaders, mm. but uh, I'm going to keep it as hope for pastors, knowing that this is a great challenge yeah. in the church right now because a lot of pastors are losing their heart a lot yeah. of ways, right? Yeah. Uh, a lot of signs of pastoral burnout and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and my thinking is. Is one of the biggest challenges for the future is that we have a healthy ruling elders, mm. you know. And actually, one of the things that will be for the long-term health of the pastor is that the pastor and the ruling elder gets along well. Mm. You know, having a session, yeah. having a group of people, mature men who are not pastors, yeah. who could help be supportive to pastors, yeah. who can give accountability and challenge yeah. to pastors. You know, I personally think the biggest challenge for the English ministry landscape in this stage right now Mm. is how do we develop a non-pastoral leadership Mm, you know Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. lay leaders how do we raise up elders and deacons right so i i I actually in my church is that right now it's that's the biggest challenge Mm -hmm. and i think going forward it it might be the biggest challenge because you know for myself i would i would confess like i working with a group of elders well Mm. is the last thing i was trained in (laughs) you know like meaning that I wasn't really trained in it. Mm-hmm. I was taught by yeah. my experience in my ministry life yeah. to be uh, a lone ranger. Yeah. You know, mm. you got to do mm. everything. Mm. You got to do it all. Everything depends on you. Mm. Like if you don't do it, it's not going to happen. Mm. And oftentimes that was truth, you yeah. know. Yeah. And so a lot of ministers in my generation, we were not trained to work with um, yeah. other leaders. You know, basically all of the, you know, the people we ministered to, they were the ones who looked up to us. We yes. were older than them. Yeah. And, and so, yeah. you know, paternal paternalism and yeah. paternalistic methods of uh, you know of ministry is is actually what we learned you know mm-hmm. and we're sort of having to unlearn by working with peers and working yeah. with uh, other elders and yes. kind of sharing power so to speak and, yes um, you know it's and I'm all willing to do it but I can tell you firsthand that it's not easy to do mm. having that experience mm-hmm. you know I mean yeah. I, it's, it's I don't resist it I, I'm willing I want it you know but it's just something that yeah. it, it, it requires um, it requires some uh, uh, yeah, that's fleshing out. You yeah, know? yeah, definitely. Yeah, it's and like the, a new territory yeah, for and the us ruling too. elders yeah. need to gain experience because yeah. they're all raw too. Yeah, because they don't know what it looks like either. Yeah, yeah, you know? I think it's definitely a new territory for yeah. Korean American pastors and yeah. Asian American pastors. And it's well. not like we haven't seen parenting, but like you know, it's kind of equated to second generation that yeah. they saw a model of parenting in their parents that they could not emulate yeah. or they don't want to emulate. Sure. And but then they see things on TV or whatever. Yeah. It's like that's that's far off too, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah. 
right? So it's yeah. like it's almost like you know, a lot of us in marriage and family. It's like sure, we're, sure. we're almost learning how to parent, yeah, yeah. learning how to grow up, right? Yeah, and so yeah, like same definitely. with ruling elders, it's like EM Church has yeah. to learn to kind of grow up. Yeah, and so yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah. So if there's any ruling elders out there, I, I would highly encourage you to come to yeah, the EM yeah. forum. That'd be awesome. Yeah, yeah, just to see see more ruling elders join us. Yeah. And you have some great speakers. Yeah. And that you got Brian Chapel. Brian Chapel is speaking the first yeah. night. Uh, yeah. Carl Ellis. Carl Ellis. Yeah, if you don't know who he is, he's he's the godfather of uh, for African Americans in the PCA. <laughs> the godfathers coming together. Yeah. 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 And uh, yeah. yeah, he called me the godfather for Korean Americans, but uh, I'll be okay. one of the speakers. It's you, official. You're, you're the one who called me. <laughs> it's, it's official now. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. So, yeah. so we'll have a lot of historical perspectives, yes. you know, uh, yeah. from this conference. But hopefully, yeah. uh, you know, yeah. Carl Ellis has a Korean American son-in-law. Mm. Mm. And, uh, mm. you know, he asked me what he should share. Mm. You know, he's a pastor as well. Mm-hmm. So I asked him, share something that would be an encouragement to your son-in-law. Mm. Mm. <laughs> you know, and because sure. we're very much like him. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I think it'd be great. Yeah. Uh, thanks for sharing about that. Oh, can I just, uh, yeah. if you want to know where to go on the website, it's uh, um, pca-em.org. So I don't know if you're able to put that in a... <laughs> I could probably include like a link for people yeah. to... Yeah, yeah. Awesome. Yeah. And thanks for chatting with me. Thank you. It's, it's been fun. a pleasure. It's yeah. been a pleasure. Yeah, it's been yeah. fun. And time flew by. Yeah, yeah. I don't even know what time it is, but it's, 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 uh, it's very enjoyable. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I enjoyed it. Thanks yeah. so much for joining me. Yeah. Yeah.